Welcome to CrossCast, a program where we discuss a wide range of topics. Could be politics, could be religion, or it could be absolutely anything imaginable, or it could be anything unimaginable. But whatever we do, we seek to glorify Christ our Lord. I'm Philip. And I'm Adam. Thank you for joining us today. So, once again, welcome to CrossCast. Hello, everybody. You are listening to episode six. The Sace. <laughs> <laughs> It's happening. ESPN 8, the Ocho. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today, we've got a little bit of a different setting, different format, a lot more relaxed and, and discussive. So, <laughs> but before we get into that, I wanted to take a time to do a little pause for the update here. I guess that's kind of a new trend that we've established over the past, what, four episodes, two through five. But we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes getting to this point of episode six. And there's been some things that have become a lot easier than what we thought was going to be. Then there's been things that are more difficult that we thought were going to be easy. So some of the background of what we have, whenever we do the recordings, I edit them. And I'm using the Audacity program, really cool free software you download, getting my feet wet, figuring out all the buttons. I haven't figured out all the buttons, but clicking on buttons and switches and stuff to quote a movie. Whenever I do the editing, I've got a radio background and I've kind of been trained to do everything professionally with no mistakes or pauses or ums or personality crutch words and things of that nature, like the conversational stuff. So all of that kind of goes away. So that's why the edits are so clean. If I can say that they're clean. So I chop a lot of that out also for time reduction um, because if I leave in all the pauses and breaks, then all of a sudden you can quickly add another 15 minutes of dead space. So if I kind of condense it all down, then it's less that you have to endure. I've kind of gone back and forth with this balance and I've talked to Adam about this. He's more of the, just let it be what it is, let it be organic. And I'm kind of about that as well, but I'm so hardcore trained in radio broadcasting, radio production work that everything needs to be on point, tight, on schedule, content delivered, projection, enunciation, everything's clear, everything is exactly where it's supposed to be with precision. And Adam's a lot more different. He's a lot more free, just kind of, yeah, you know, just take the can of paint and just throw it against the wall, and that's where it was supposed <laughs> to go. And and so we're, I'm trying to reach this balance, and so – in this editing, I'm trying to clean it up to where it's easy to listen to without all the and ums and uh, and what was it going to say and all that. So I'm chopping a lot of that out. Well, I guess what I could do is maybe we can strike a balance at some point. I don't know if it'll be on this episode. Depends on what I'm feeling like, what I'm looking at or listening to it, I guess. That's why at the very end, if you haven't noticed already, at the very end of each episode, what I'm doing is I actually take all of the things where our personality comes out especially the humor part, and then I snip it, and then I throw it at the end because I think that is a lot of our personality. So what I do is I try to throw it at the end, and if you're interested, then you can listen to a lot of the outtakes and the funny stuff at the end. But there's a lot more that I actually delete. I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Adam? I mean, we've 
I've cleaned it up. You've listened to, I guess, enough of it to know what, you know, how we're recording and then what it sounds like when I do all the editing. You're like, where'd all that stuff go? Right. <laughs> no, there's stuff you've chopped out that I've been like, leave it there. <laughs> that was mid discussion. You chopped out the part that was funny in the middle of the serious talk. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I, you're like, yeah, but it's going on bloopers. Bloopers are funny. <laughs> I like bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the content that we've been doing, it's been very serious. You know, the first uh, two episodes, two through five, I don't want to say the first one, that was an introduction, kind of setting the stage, but there was even bloopers in that that I put at the mm-hmm. end. I've done it on all five of the previous episodes, but talking about salvation, fear of the Lord, heaven, hell, those are some pretty heavy topics. And I didn't want to take away from the subjectivity with our banter where we lose our minds and start ranting and just laughing and being idiots so i said well you know we'll put that at the end so if you want to hear some of that but i don't know i mean what do you think i mean moving forward on some topics i mean do we just leave that in there i don't know i think i'm going to reintroduce this and you need to leave it in this episode in the heaven episode we were discussing (laughs) where there's the trees of life growing in in heaven and we were talking about what other food might be there and we said bacon wrapped shrimp it's in and the bloopers. Then, and then uh, people the don't mind us of that. So we said bacon wrapped shrimp, and then we started walking back. Well, pigs are unclean, and <laughs> shrimp are unclean. unclean. So <laughs> that bacon whole... wrapped shrimp's probably not there, <laughs> <Yeah>. actually. <laughs> and it was kind of a bummer because I like bacon wrapped shrimp. <laughs> There's no Veracruz platter. <laughs> yeah, because it, it was hilarious. I mean, that, it's pretty comical. It takes us a while to get settled down sometimes. Um, no. I just did the, the editing for the episode Hell, you know, number five. And I think we started off with two hours and 30 minutes of raw cut. And then by the time that I've got it all edited down, I think the total was at an hour and 43 minutes. So, I mean, that tells you how much got chopped out, got cut. And that does include me putting back in a one minute intro and then also dropping in the outro, which the outro is not too long. It's maybe 40 seconds. It's probably less than that. It's like 20 seconds, maybe. I mean, you can hear the music coming in, and then you've got the lyric part, and then whenever it goes into just kind of the loop, the bed music for the bloopers, when it's running in, and then the the bed for the bloopers, I don't count that, because you're still hearing it, but just the uh, the lyric part of it, it's about 20 seconds. So, I mean, that's a minute and, what, 20 seconds, a minute and a half that I added back into it. But, I mean, that shows you how much I've, I chop out. Just wait, you'll hear it in about an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I've kind of... You know, I've listened to other podcasts. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts because I don't want to have a heavy influence from other sources of what we're doing because I want it to be it's genuine. This is what we're doing. We're not trying to be anybody else. I mean, we are who we are. And I've kind of gone back and forth, but I think we did a pretty good job. Um, I say we. It was totally on my on my shoulders. Uh, but I think, I, I think we did the right thing, or I did the right thing, with keeping a lot of the banter and the rambling out of those first four episodes of subject two, three, four, and five. But maybe when we get into a little bit more conversational mode, you know, the, the humor's there because we're not completely dry and maybe those episodes are a little bit dry, but whatever. Yeah. But anyway, I do the editing and I enjoy editing. It makes it cleaner. I try to make it where you can listen to the content. I think that's what we try to deliver is the content. So I want it, the content as concise and presentable as possible. But there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of fun that Adam and I have behind the scenes. And I think some of that should come out because I enjoy it. And I actually also thought about this uh, as taking all, you know, as we move forward with episodes, again, we're doing six. So I've already got now six episodes worth of 
crazy stuff where I can begin to compile a fairly lengthy, you know, episode of just nothing but nonsense. If Gag real. If that's what you're into. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did it. We actually had a raw cut that we did with terrible microphones. That's why I haven't used any of it where Adam kind of fills me in on what LARPing is. <laughs> I didn't even know what LARPing was. And, uh, but we kind of talked about different things. It was, it was pretty hilarious, but the sound quality is so poor that it's unbearable. The, the plosives are popping the micro hard and we weren't really trying to record anything. We we're just kind of running some sound tests and just kind of playing with the editing and software. Yeah. The new microphones we had ordered hadn't come in yet. And right. we were just doing setups on software and equipment. And we were using what we had, which was cool, but we knew that we had better stuff coming in. So we were like, well, we, I didn't think it was listenable you know, to me personally. Like if yeah. I don't want to listen to it, why would I expect someone else to do it? So if I don't want to hear myself, goodness. <laughs> so what LARPing is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Take me back to Pangea because that was. Lightning <laughs> <laughs> bolt. Death. <laughs> Sorry. That's hilarious. <laughs> but anyway. Go on YouTube. I, I got a, I did get a crash course on this. So go ahead. Go ahead. Master LARPer. Go, go on YouTube and search lightning bolt. And the picture, the the video is called Lightning Bolt, and the picture looks like a bunch of people walking around in the trees. Just watch that, and you understand LARPing. It's about two and a half minutes long at most. And I watched that, and I was still uh, scratching my head like, I still don't get it, man. Right. <laughs> I'm just not getting this. I mean, how old are you? Like 40? You 50? That's the thing. The like, guy is bald it, and just, yeah. I mean, he, he looks like he looks like he walked right out of his accounting firm, put on those clothes, <laughs> and right out in the woods. Like his briefcase is holding a bunch of lightning bolts for all of his friends or something. Right. And you get a lightning bolt, and you get a lightning bolt, and you all get lightning bolts. It's, it's like, thanks. Like, it's like after that, they're all going to go to Denny's and play Pokemon cards. Yeah. I don't get it, man. LARPing's he, not for me, man. He's going to pull out Pikachu. Lightning bolt! Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't. Uh, I mean, if they were, you know, like five or something, I, I think I kind of understand <laughs> it. But anyway. It's, it's grown people playing like five-year-olds play in the backyard. But in What does LARP stand field, for? Live action role play. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense that I, I mean, would know I this. Mean, I've acronym, never done it. But. The acronym makes sense. The actual act of it does not. But yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right. Well, that's uh, what? 20 minutes. We'll never get back. Um, <laughs> so tonight... I had a thought coming off of four very heavy subject material of Christianity. These are a lot of the fundamentals of the faith that I believe, you know, salvation, most importantly, fear of the Lord is a very important walk in one's life with Christ. Heaven, hell, that's eternal destinations. And, you know, in those episodes, we discussed a lot of other things about doctrine, the Bible, uh, what it means to be born again and church in America and these type of applicable things. But tonight I wanted to kind of drop back a little bit more of an informal setting. So Adam and I, we've been working together for years now in ministry. And as we mentioned in, I think, episode one, and I know we mentioned it elsewhere, you know, we haven't been actively working in a church or in a formal set ministry a lot of changes in our personal lives with different things that we've been involved with. It's almost a sabbatical, I guess, in, in a sense. I think this is some of where Adam and I is, is stepping back into a role of ministry, coming out of the sabbatical, is this very podcast right here. We've been through a lot, and I think we want to kind of touch on some of that. But more so, it's about you, the listener. If you're wondering about what it's like to be in ministry, or if you're considering going into ministry, I think this is going to be a really cool episode 
but this may be something that you can listen to in order to get some of that background, some of the experience and failures and successes that we've had. With that, I wanted to you know, hand it over to Adam. I know he had a lot on his mind. He was excited about tonight, but go ahead. So we were talking about it this week, and Phil tells me, hey, this is the idea I want to go with. I want to go with the idea of interviewing one another, not necessarily for the sake of understanding each other, but to pull out the viewpoints that we have and share the information about anybody or for anybody who might be getting into ministry, thinking about ministry, feeling called into ministry, and just kind of taking that experience that we have and pushing it into the light for people to see and kind of come to an understanding of, hey, we've been here, we've had some good runs, and we've had some uncomfortable runs. But in how those things transpired, um, how they played out in our lives, just to kind of bring clear, not necessarily to try and sound like we know everything, but just simply to share the experience and put it out there for anybody who may need to hear it. Okay, I want to throw this out there for the table is, how do you prepare for a new ministry? And I'm referring to in the moment of, you felt the calling, you've clarified that God is calling you there, and now you're getting yourself ready to step into it. What do you do? Um, I don't want to say mentally, because mentally not much is required, but spiritually especially, how do you get yourself prepared to take on that burden, anointing, calling, whatever words you would use, because all of those do apply. I know most people would say, oh, ministry is not a burden. There are things in ministry that become burdens. Man, that's a huge question. I don't want to completely back up to because I've got a question that I want to put to the table about how you know when you're called into ministry, and we'll come back to that. But once you know that you're called into ministry, that's key. Because So if you know that you're called into ministry, then at that point, something is already set. I assume that the question is—and by the way, we did do some prep on these questions, but we kind of kept the questions back from each other, so that way it's as genuine as we can be instead of rehearsed. So if it seems a little bit discombobulated, it's kind of on purpose— but whenever you come into ministry and you know that you're called, and then are you, so you, are you saying that it's a ministry that you have a start date with, or is it something where you don't know where you're going to end up? I mean, what are you talking like? Okay, I'm coming here. This I'm, is I, like I've, they've already hired me, and I have a start date, and I hadn't started yet. You talking about like that? Or are you talking about I'm going to go find a place? I'm saying either I have a start date. I start on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving for that other country to do ministry on Tuesday, Mm -hmm. or if it's, man, God is calling me into being a worship leader and I don't know where, when, or how, but I'm going to go do it. It still starts at that same time. How do you prep yourself? Um, in my mind, I know, and I can talk about it in a minute, but I know whenever I was called into ministry, I had a certain type of feeling, a certain type of weight on me or burden or burning desire and then you're looking at, okay, where is that going to happen? Where am I going to plug in? Versus I've had it also, of course, I went in to interview at different churches. And then ultimately, you know, the first church where I started doing full-time ministry, I was the youth minister and also the director of education. And it's the same church where we met. And whenever I had that start date, I was completely thankful. I was completely excited. I looked at it as a huge adventure, meaning I don't know what was going to happen. I don't know how big things are going to get. I don't know how much of a struggle I'm going to have because I look at the ministry and I'm thinking, what's the limitation here? Because God is not limited. He can do whatever he wants in this ministry. It can be absolutely huge. In what way? Well, in all ways, it could be huge with soul winning, 
tons of people being discipled, tons of activities going on, just this very vibrant ministry, church, etc., not knowing where the ceiling is. That's one of the cool things about ministry is like you don't know what's going to happen. All these, man, I'm so careful with this, all these larger ministries, larger churches, they started somewhere with a small group or a specific leader that God called into that position. So it starts small, and you don't know, God, are you going to use me for this? And sometimes he's not calling people to a large ministry. Sometimes he's calling people to a small ministry on purpose. So it's just the unknown. So it's an adventure. So whenever I go in, I'm saying, God, help me, literally. Like, God, please help me because I do not know what all is going to be coming at me. Now, here's some of the stuff that I did not fully expect is how heavy the spiritual warfare is, especially whenever I first started in ministry. I didn't see a lot of that coming. That was a big deal for me. The spiritual warfare, the attacks, how they were coming, it was a whole nother level. If you're a Christian and you're not in ministry, I don't want to say you don't have a clue, but I'm going to go way out on a limb, and I think it's a fairly solid limb. You really don't have an idea of the impact of whenever you first step into ministry. You're a Christian. You've been a Christian, but now you're going to step onto the battlefield. Now you're going to step into the arena, and now you're going to go after the souls, and then you will feel the spiritual warfare. So that right there is something that was huge for me. What about you? How are you feeling going into a ministry? Depending on the ministry, I went into ministry initially just doing worship, just a bass player, and then through involvement, moved up into worship leading, moved around a few places. And then by the time I went to actually being in a pastoral stance, somebody came to me and said, hey, this church over here is looking for a youth minister. They're looking for this and they're looking for that. It seems like you. Um, Why don't you apply? And I was already kind of thinking about it a little bit and I was like, all right, you know, I might. And it just, it was burning on me. It was burning on me. And so I finally just, all right, give me their email. I'll send my resume over there. I'll see what happens. I got a call back very quickly, not to sound boastful, but very quickly they came back to me. Hey, can you be here Wednesday night to talk to the group? And this was youth minister slash worship leader. And so, hey, bring a guitar with you. And I found myself in this room full of people and we're talking about, they want to hear your doctrine. They want to hear your theology. They want to hear what you've been taught and what you personally believe. And the thing that caught me off guard was I did not expect somebody to look me in the face and say, give me your testimony. Well, I grew up in church. I got saved when I was like four years old and baptized a week later. And (laughs) no, give me your testimony. I just did. No, give me the story of you and Jesus. I just did. (laughs) Um, I was like, I don't know what you're looking for. And they're like, well, let me give you my testimony. My testimony was when I was 15, I was blah, 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 and tied up in this and tied up in that. And God found me at a church camp and brought me to repentance. And I was baptized there. And I was like, I'm a church brat. I don't have that kind of testimony. I like, I, I was raised in church. I never did drugs. I didn't do that stuff. My parents were very solid to put me in front of God at a young age and let me find him very quickly. And God was gracious enough to not let me out of his sight. So that was the part I didn't expect. And I think they were a little disappointed. But once I got through the interview and they said, yeah, we want you. I had to one, go back to where I was serving as a worship leader with you and say to this group of kids I've known for 
two and a half years or something. Hey, sorry, I'm leaving. It was a little bit emotional. And then from there it was, I'm stepping out of being a worship leader. I'm stepping into being a teacher now with some worship still in there, but I'm stepping to be a teacher. Now this is a whole new world. Mm -hmm. This is a wildly different thing for me. The preparation time was a lot of time spent kind of being honest with God, which I think is a big deal because people can lie to themselves and equally lie to God. And it was just being honest with God and saying, okay, God, you know, I fall short here. You know, I fall short here. You know that this is going on in my life and this is going on in my life. Not necessarily bad things. You know, I'm struggling here. You know, I'm strong here. You know me, God, I don't want to be false. So here's me and here's where I am. Here's why I'm weak. So going into this, God, please give me strength in these weak areas, safeguard me in these weak areas and just fortify me in these places that I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine here. I don't need any kind of crazy overwhelming, like God really pull me through here, but definitely fortify me because I'm not bulletproof. I'm human, but God, where I really need you is I need you to not just strengthen me against these temptations, but at the same time, I need you to really, if at all possible in your will, keep them away from me. I can't falter and do this job. So you're saying the difference between the ministry where you were at moving into the ministry over at the next church. And just to be clear, we're trying to keep the church's names away from being recorded on air. because Yeah, because we may say things that may be offensive to that church because we did have mistakes that Adam and I made or things that we had that happened that, you know, we disagreed with or that were wrong. And so we just, for that sake, just kind of omit their names on purpose. So I know it becomes confusing about that church, this church, the next church, the new church. So just to be clear, the first church that I was called to in formal ministry is the same church where I met Adam. Adam was a youth there. Now I, whenever I was younger in my younger days of youth, I actually remember Adam, that church was very new. I was a youth I remember meeting Adam, you know, he was a few grades younger than me, but I remember interacting with him. They had, you know, basketball and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, kids hung out and and interacted. So I remembered him there, but it wasn't until I came in as the youth minister years after that, where I met Adam. Okay. And so he was a youth. He was one of the older youth and he was already involved with the worship ministry. And so I basically just, we kept rolling with the worship team and and I came in and began the discipleship process. And Adam was a very big leader and a very big contributor in the worship ministry and in the ministry in general. And then once I was, I was there for um, what, like three years, basically two and a half ish. Yeah. Almost three years. And then two years after that, you know, I was doing the Bible study. Actually, I was there for nearly three years. Whenever I resigned there, we actually didn't even miss a Wednesday. We actually continued meeting at your house with the Bible study for like almost like a year or so later, like for a something con- like that. Yeah, for a continuous year, we were still meeting at your house, Adam, doing the Bible study with the core group of of students. And then yeah. I got the phone call from the next church to be the youth minister there. Church two. Yeah, church number two. So whenever I went over there, Adam was already doing worship ministry by the time I hung it up at the first church. And so when I went in, they did not have a worship team. It was very stripped back and very few students. We we walked into a shell basically. And I'm thinking I need the people. So that's whenever I I said, Hey, Adam, what do you think about this? Would you, are you into it? You want to do it? You know, you feel uncalled. And then, so when we went in over there, 
that's where you stepped in as the worship leader of the youth ministry. I was the youth pastor there. And then we did that for a couple of years. Right. Two and a half years. Yeah. Well, with you, I was there for like nearly three or three and a half or something. Yes. So that's where you departed out. And then you went to across town or a few miles away, the church where you just mentioned that you you know, hired in and just shared, you know, what it was like being interviewed. Church three. Yeah. Well, your church three. So, um, I stayed there at church number two, um, for quite some time until that time came to a close. And I just want to make that clear because I know we kind of mentioned the introduction episode and I still think it's kind of hard to follow and we apologize for that, but in a way it is on purpose because we didn't want to bring up names of churches. I don't think that's really appropriate. Um, in my opinion. So, I mean, they're, they're great places. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like I learned a ton. I'm very appreciative. No disrespect whatsoever. I just want to make sure that we keep it that way, that we don't harm any of those ministries at all that are still going on. I want to go back to another question. How, regardless if it was whenever you were first called, the very first time in a ministry or any point along the way, whether it was at church number two or your church number three, just in general, how did you know that you were called to begin with to ministry? Difference between being a Christian versus being a leader or leading a ministry, being a minister. Minister means to serve or a servant. That's what that means. But anyway, so what was it that you knew, I'm called, I'm supposed to do this? I've been very uniform in the way that I verify that. I verify it most commonly by simply saying in prayer, not aloud, but God, I feel like you're telling me to do this. I want to do it. Not always. There are sometimes you don't want to do it, but in most cases it's like, I want to do it. I feel like you're telling me to do this. If it's not right, close this door. Don't let me go in a wrong direction. No good will come out of that. Close this door quickly. And there were ministries after church three, I called up another church that I had led worship at on Sunday mornings while you and I were at church two, because we were doing church two on Wednesday nights with the youth group mm-hmm. and on Sunday mornings for a time I had been leading worship at a different church. We call it church four. Yeah. And so when I left church three, I called church four and said, Hey, I called the pastor. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just left this position. I was at not even as a job. I just wanted to get back into worship somewhere. I don't want to leave it. I don't want to be absent. Do you have a slot for me? Come on in. Not a problem play bass, lead, play guitar, whatever, whatever they needed. I just filled in. So in that time after church three, while I was kind of attending church four and just doing worship with them again, I was actively looking for ministry. I was actively looking for it. And there was a few that I thought I was going to go here or go there, be it as a worship leader, as a minister or whatever. I remember looking at the online or the, somebody sent me something, Hey, check this place out or whatever. And some of them were like, man, that is it. Their doctrine is perfectly aligned with mine, man. Their theology is in line with mine. Their pastor's sense of humor. I actually think is funny. Um, their style of worship is exactly what I do. And what they're looking for is me. And you feel like that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the place. No question. And then I'm sitting there telling God, God, if I'm wrong, I don't think I am. But if I'm wrong, go ahead and close this door. And then the next thing I know, hey, don't worry about it. We got somebody. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
I will oh, say, you close that door, huh? I will say this, that in church number four, this one I do want to keep anonymous because I have some negative things to say about church number four. I have four. some very negative things, honestly. Yeah, and this is why we don't want to say names. But in church number four, there was something very, very troubling to me about the worship leader there. And I hate talking this way, but it's just truth. And I didn't find out until much later on that you had been there about the name, like who this guy was. You used his first name and you know, this is, it's a very common name. Okay. It's a very yeah. common name. Literally probably a million people are named this name or more. And it wasn't until I heard the last name. Whoa. I know who this is. I know what happened and it's not good. And it's very troubled. And that was the church that you were kind of, you know, you participated. It wasn't anything that you were exposed to in the sense that you were under this guy or, you know, he was doing things wrong and then it began to affect you. But whenever you pray, you seek God, as you just mentioned, about going to church number four and God shut the door. I think that was God saying, no, Adam, I'm going to protect you from this. You don't need to be yoked up to somebody like this. That's how I felt about it in my heart. It was definitely a bummer because I know that you love to serve the Lord in worship. And that was something that you had been doing for a little while there, maybe some months. I don't think it was a full year, but better part of a year probably, but you know, some months. And then whenever I kind of learned exactly what was going on there, because I was still doing business at church number two, I was heavily involved there and I was committed there. It was awesome. Had a great time, no regrets. And whenever I learned about that, I just felt like, man, I don't want to see anybody, especially someone that I care about and that I'm rooting for. I don't want to see anybody step off into something that is harmful or something that could expose them to a satanic attack or whatever you want to call it. And let um, me let me bring clarity to that situation without using any names and not a long story here. This is why Phil says that he has issue with that person. This is what he did at that church. So I left church three. I went to church four and I spent about three months just leading worship, be it on bass guitar, leading acoustic, singing, whatever it was that they needed from me, I was doing. And this guy was the worship director. He had a lot of aspirations, which in ministry is not always a good thing. And here's where it's a negative thing. He was aspiring to be a worship leader, although he, in my opinion, he was not called to be a worship leader. He was at the same time the associate pastor, but he wanted to teach on Sunday mornings every chance he got. Anytime he could be like, Pastor, are you feeling it this week or should I just take over for you? You know, he was really overstepping what I consider to be his boundaries. And so after three months, he came to me and he said, this is what I'm doing. Um, I don't play an instrument like you guys but I'm making myself the new worship leader. So we're getting rid of the whole band. No more drums, no more guitars. It's just going to be me and this guy and this girl. And I want you to be our fourth singer. And it's just gonna be the four of us on stage. And we're going to sing the CDs. We're going to get rid of all the live music. Cause I don't play music and I'm not a musician and I can't really orchestrate and put all the music together, but CDs are packaged. So we're going to get rid of the band completely sing the CDs. And I want you to be my fourth singer. And I bowed out. I did one week with him and there was a lot of what I felt like, I'm going to take this lead. I'm going to take this solo. I'm always going to be the, the singer and you guys are my backups. You're my doo-wop team. I said, man, this isn't me. What I didn't tell him was this isn't worship. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I, I bowed out and I left and I found out two months later that he had taken half the church, broke off and started a new church. Yeah where he was the head pastor and the worship leader and was just the hymn show all day. Well, and I want to also interject. I had known about this guy from literally at this point of when this occurred, what Adam just described there. I knew about this guy from about almost 10 years prior at some completely unrelated church 
Okay. You know, about 20 miles away, 10 years previous to that. And it was absolutely terrible. And I don't want to talk about this guy anymore because it's pretty bad. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this dude is still on the map. He is still in churches and he was in a much larger church, you know, 10 years previous. And obviously he's trying to get his footing in a smaller church to try to ascend or something. I couldn't believe he, this dude was still in town. I mean, I'm being dead serious. I couldn't believe this guy was still around the area. Yeah. Whatever. I heard that name. I was like, Wow. But, you know, but that's real. I mean, that's, and I guess the reason why we're sharing the story is because this is some of the background stuff that you can stumble into ministry because when you go into church, what are you thinking? You're you're thinking, well, you work in a church, so you must be one of the Mr. Perfects or the Mrs. Perfects. You know, it's Mr. and right. Mrs. Perfect are married and they lead the church. But whenever you get into the church and you get behind the scenes, you start figuring out, hey, they're humans too. Hey, they have weaknesses too. There's sin as well. I'll just interject right now. Whenever Adam left church number two, whenever I was the youth pastor, he was the worship leader there. That was probably the highlight, the pinnacle of our ministry together as far as working in a church. And we had been working together for nearly two years and we started to kind of get at each other's throat a little bit. You know, there was some tension between you and I of different, I mean, not to, I can't even really recall the details much anymore, but it was just a lot of how we're going to do the worship or what songs we're going to do or what, I'm going to say what event, but which rally or where do we want to go with the, with the students or something like that? Well, it wasn't even that we stayed out of each other's business pretty well. Like you're teaching, get your lesson ready. And And I'm I'm going to rearrange the chairs. The chairs are mine. I was big into how the chairs were positioned. I don't know what, it was was like a ministry. It's like a calling. Like, don't get in the way of that because God will strike you down. He sent me to do this. Right. And, (laughs) but so I was like, okay, so I'm doing worship and these are the songs and I'm going to get the band together and we're going to, I'm going to make this happen and you're going to make that happen. And we're cool. But then we were butting heads and just little things like, Hey, we're all taking the youth group over here to whatever. Okay, cool. You know, I'll do this or I'll do that. No, I need you doing this. I don't want to do that. And mm-hmm. just, you know, and just stuff, stuff like that. It was I mean, like very, very petty bickering. It was, and which is well, weird no. because then we're going out, you know, well, I wasn't married at the time, but with your wife and with our friends and we're going out all the time and mm-hmm. Hey, let's go get dinner tonight and hanging out on the weekends laughing. But then we get back in the ministry and just dude, come on, man. Yeah. Every Tension. week. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't all the time, but it was enough. It was, it was yeah. actually too much, but you know, I just think it was two alpha males in a small area trying to run the show or run, you know, make decisions. And our personalities are very strong. I mean, it wasn't crazy, but, but I think going back to what you were saying about, and I applied at church number three, I think that was part of, you knew that, Hey, there's probably something over here. Well, you know and that's what I, I didn't want to say it, but, um, you and I were, I did. Yeah. You and I were so much Jerk. kind of back Jerk. and forth and we already had that blonde guy that was kind of he's cute yeah we already had that blonde guy that was kind of my junior worship leader and he you know he's a couple years younger than me and he'd already come up and he'd already led a few worship services and so i told you hey man you got him he's gonna step in right where i was it was pretty seamless yeah god's calling we me over to this ministry left. we were glad you <laughs> yeah, left that's that's like, high five <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, but in all seriousness to go right along with god is in control and that is no lie i mean you did a fantastic job grooming this guy up i did what i could from a non-musical worship point of view but from a ministry point of view to groom this guy up to replace you Whenever you left, we just kept going. You were able to step yeah. into a whole new setup, take what we've been doing, apply it in a whole different community. I mean, God was in control there. It was obvious. The signs 
I didn't know whenever we started having a little bit of friction. And, and again, it's it's very slight. But even if you have like a little bitty pebble on the boot, it's still in there and it drives you nuts. But it's nothing that's going to kill you. But yeah. you want it out. And I think that it was just kind of God not making the nest quite as comfy as it was. And it was starting to like, you know what? I got to move. I got to get out of this because I'm just not comfortable. Well, and, and it was hurting us personally. Yeah. And I want to bring clarity to that. That's another thing. I mean, whenever I got over there, I stepped into a really nice setup. And the way of youth ministry is concerned. Like buildings and all that stuff. He had it made. Yeah, they like, handed wow. me keys and they said, hey, that huge building back there, that's the youth building. <laughs> yeah. That's your build. <laughs> two stories. Two stories. Yeah. Um, gym, a kitchen, a full blown cafeteria style kitchen, an yeah. indoor gym. It was awesome. If you're ever a youth minister in America, this is like, ah, yeah. And my first phone call is Phil. I like, do come check this place out because at church too, we had this tiny little room and upstairs it was actually more of the, a storage closet. We call it the attic. Yeah. It was it like was hot. It was like a glorified storage closet. They hollowed out and said, well, the youth kids can meet in there. We had like 70 so, to 80 students in there a night, dude. It was crazy. Yeah. At one point, there's people sitting outside the door just yeah. listening through the yeah, opening. On the, on the landing outside of the room. At listening. the top of the stairs. I didn't even know that was happening for like the first two or three weeks. Because what happened was like, hey, um, how, where you been? He's like, I've been sitting out on the landing for the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I go out there and I started realizing they had chairs, folding chairs, where they would set up folding chairs outside of the youth room. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. We got to get more room. It was yeah. And, so, and we had a bunch of couches in there. We started gutting couches for yeah. folding chairs just because it's like, we got to get people in here. Right. Sorry you guys like sitting in your couch, but you can only put three people on a couch and it takes up enough room for six chairs. Well, and I, I also... I said, God, I don't know how many angels you have stationed underneath this floor that we're standing on, but yeah. I was thinking like we were probably way over capacity, way over the load bearing ratings of the stuff. Fire marshals would have kicked us out. Oh yeah. Single exit, 80 people crammed into a room. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're all juveniles. Like, yeah, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> but so back to the topic, um, it was mildly starting to affect our personal life just because we would get into an argument Wednesday night and then Friday night go out and we're sitting there at dinner and like, Dude, but seriously, you need to stop doing the whatever, whatever. <laughs> and so, but I mean, it did. I mean, obviously, we're still sitting here. There was yeah. no, there was no recovery time. Like, well, it's been three years. I guess I'll call that Phil guy. Yeah, you know, there was no recovery time. We just kind of, you know, yeah. like, hey, I'm over here now, and you're over there. But you know, well, we were genuinely still helping each Saturday. other out. I mean, we had some sound problems. Adam would come over yeah. and help, uh, you know, take care of our sound. I'd go over there and I'd help him out with trying to get some things set up and set up some chairs. Yeah. You know, I talk to Adam all the time and, and help him with his situation, learning how to be a youth minister for the first time and fundraisers. Oh, <laughs> well, that was like cold shivers right there. Those are the worst. Yeah. And you know, but anyway, I wanted to go back. Let me rewind a little bit back to, I think you kind of addressed like whenever you're seeing God guide you into a ministry, kind of opening the doors, closing doors. I wanted to go back to my experience with whenever I figured out that I was called into ministry. Okay. And I was reading the Bible on my own, in my own quiet time, and I just all of a sudden fell in love with the Bible for the first time. And I was in high school. I was starting to read all of the epistles from Paul, all of Paul's letters. I just started finding so much I don't even know how to say it. Like it was just bombarding me. If you're new to the Bible, I challenge you to read all of Paul's letters. Epistle means letter. Okay. Not to be confused with apostle. That's a person, but epistle letter, things like first and second Corinthians and Romans and first and second Timothy and Titus and Galatians, Ephesians, all of these books 
all of these these letters, and they're not. And that's one of the cool things. If you're a new believer, these books are very short, especially like uh, Titus, First, Second Timothy, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Those are very small chaptered books, and, four or five chapters. Yeah, and so when you read it, you feel like, man, I read a book in the Bible. It's kind of exciting. You're like, man, I, I did it. I read a full book, and they're not hard to read. It's very easy to understand. There's so much doctrine and theology there. And I began to read some stuff, and I've got two verses. They're very simple that I wanted to share about when it hit me. And I was reading along in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, and it was in the King James Version of all versions. And it goes like this, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel." That hit me like a ton of bricks. I wrote in my Bible. Some Bibles I write in, some I don't. But this one I was writing in. And I have it right here in my hand. I can show Adam. See how how marked up that is? Yeah. And I wrote right here. I underlined it. I even highlighted it. I put, I am not happy unless I am in ministry. I wrote that right here next to this verse. I'm not happy unless I'm doing ministry. And even the word happiness even now. I mean, this is when I was a young Christian. I've felt very young at this point in time. And I wrote all over the Bible and wrote all kinds of little letters and letters, little notes referencing over to other scriptures that I was reading. I even had a little system, like all of these are yellow. I had a little system. If it was yellow, I felt like it was really important. If it, if it was salvation oriented, I put it in pink because it reminded me of the blood of Christ. If it was something about life, like life application, I did green. And then if I felt like it was something heavenly, like about heaven or his presence, I'd put blue. And so when I'm going through the Bible, you have all these different colors. I have like a little color-coordinated pattern to things. And then later on in uh, 1 Timothy, I'm going to read it out of the uh, the New King James because I think it reads a little bit smoother. But this is also Paul writing. And I read this, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, and it says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And then verse 13 says, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now, I'm not going to get into my testimony this episode. I don't know if I ever will. Maybe I will. But I was a strong Christian in high school, and then I fell away in college, and then God grabbed me by the shirt collar and really got my attention. I really haven't departed ever since. Not to say I'm I'm perfect or, you know, but I've been walking with the Lord as best as I know how. And I wrote again in this same Bible right here. I put at the very top above that in capitals, the call to ministry. And I put a little cross next to verse 12 that putting me into the ministry that God was placing me despite all of my sin um, later on. And I stood on those verses, you know, I remember I have this, my little handwriting above that verse, the call to ministry with this cross that is like seared into my brain that I know that I'm called. So whenever I go into ministry and I'm feeling like there's spiritual warfare taking place and I'm trying to figure things out, it's like, I know I'm supposed to be here. You know, I stand on God's word. I know that hit me hard, pierced my soul and I know that I'm supposed to go into ministry. That's a big deal to me because you're going to be challenged. You mentioned that in the very beginning. You're going to be challenged and you better know where you stand. And I stand on God's word. And I remember where God's word hit me and instructed me to be a minister 
and woe is unto me if I do not preach the gospel. Okay, so let me ask you this. So we've hit a lot on just preparation and then being called into ministry and what the calling sounds like, what the calling feels like, and these things. So once you're in ministry, once you're involved, how do you pick a partner? And I would say pick a partner. I want to be very specific about types because you addressed that you called me up. Hey, I need somebody to lead worship. I know this guy. I'm not trying to say, oh, why'd you call me? But how do you pick? In our history, we used volunteer youth sponsors, which were adults or college kids that wanted to get into ministry and just t- kind of get their feet wet. Hey, come and you know, help us out, you know, work as chaperones, work as sound team overseers, you know, make sure nobody's, you know, standing around out in the hallway. Somebody who can run the fundraisers. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You're going to oversee the car wash this week. Yeah. And um, you have the bake sale the week after. <laughs> right. And so I know because I know you, and I know what I went through and I know what I was a part of. I know that you've had sponsors that were awesome and you've had some sponsors that were the kind that you look at and you go, I know what you're doing, but I can't prove it. But, but you, as soon as I can, we're going to have a conversation. And, about you sh- it. and you should be in jail. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm not going to say their names, but I had, I've had sponsors that were uh, drug dealers. Yeah. I had sponsors that were uh, sleeping with youth as they were, I found out later. I mean, I, I mean, I handled that immediately. Don't get me wrong. Like I didn't let this happen while I was aware I found out. And then I dealt with it immediately. Right. I mean, it was a shocker. I mean, I've seen some stuff. I had another one where I had a sponsor, adult sponsor married with kids and he was driving some youth. All of a sudden he started talking about things, trying to teach the kids, uh, life lessons, if you will, whenever that is completely the role of their parents. I mean, I had the elders of that church go to me and say, you need to deal with this. I didn't even know about it. Like, as soon as I found out something, I dealt with it. But I mean, I've gone through some stuff with some sponsors. So when you say that I've had some bad ones, just to put a little color on this, I mean, like, yeah, dude, I've had some bad ones. Yeah. And these, these are people that come to you. I mean, not you specifically, but in general, these are people that will come to you as a, the head of a ministry and say, man, I really feel God's calling my life and I really want to get involved. And you're like, all right, man, well, I'll tell you what, I want to encourage that. Let me bring you in. Let me get you involved. And then you come to an understanding of what's going on in their life. And now you're in that situation where you have to say, you know, kind of like what you're saying, I got to deal with this now Yeah. where you got to pull them aside and say, look, I'm hearing this, this, and this explain it to me. What's actually happening. A lot of times they'll lie to you. They will, but it's, that's why it's hard to prove because they start lying. But I mean, typically, I mean, you know, I mean, whenever you, whenever it all comes together, God, God gives you the anointing to deal with these things. If you're seeking yeah. the Lord, he's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the wisdom. He's going to give you the discernment. He's going to give you the information that you need to make the decisions. Yeah. So how do you pick which ones to keep? I don't want to say keep like you're throwing them away, but how do you look at one? Because everybody sins. I want to be clear on this. Everybody sins. I can take my line of you sponsors and say, well, this person's doing this and this person's doing this, but this person, man, I cannot even have them in ministry but this person over here, it's still sin, but I feel like them being in ministry can help them through that or encourage them away from it. So how do you make that discernment? Man, that's such a huge question. I hope I can do this awesome question justice because I think it's so huge. I'm looking at a number of things. Number one, I'm praying and I'm seeking God on it. I'm looking for God's peace to be in my heart when I think about those individuals. I'm also looking for the fruit in those people. 
I'm seeing fruit coming from them in ministry. And if I'm not seeing any fruit, I'm wondering what's wrong, what's not clicking. There's something that I can't observe of what may be wrong, but I'm seeing the result coming out of their life and it's not adding up. I can see good fruit and I can see bad fruit. I don't know necessarily their own private walk with the Lord and exactly how they walk with the Lord, but I know it's good because I'm seeing the fruit. At the same time, I'm seeing the bad fruit. I don't know what you're doing or what you're not doing in your life with the Lord, but I see fruitlessness. So, I mean, I'm looking for that. I'm also seeing if personally, if I'm leading that ministry, I'm looking to see if we're clicking, you know, if we're on the same page or if I'm having to kind of rein you back in and kind of get you back on the track. But there is a little bit of a trial and error process. It's affording that person opportunity to either fail or succeed, but with limited collateral damage or preferably no collateral damage, but just to kind of see, okay, look, why don't you just come test the waters. Let's have some discussion. You can kind of see how things are going and let's discuss about what you may want to do here. And so I guard that carefully. Now I'm speaking largely from a youth ministry standpoint, right? And that's with minors. I mean, these are juveniles. These are young adults. These are kids that you have to preserve. And let me keep it there for a second. And then I'll expand it outside of that. If I have a problem with a sponsor and it's something that I think can harm the youth group, they're gone. They can't even stay. They're out. They can go to big church with the adults. They're out of the youth group, okay? They don't need to be there. If you're involved with the youth ministry and you're not a youth, I just said it, you're involved with the youth ministry because I don't I don't want just adults that are just kind of hanging around. I want people that are going to be good examples and be plugged in. I don't mind people coming and enjoying the lesson or taking things a lesson or worshiping along. I don't have any problems with that. But this is a youth ministry. I like to call it student ministry because sometimes we had college and stuff like that. I didn't have a problem with that. But the moment that I see, and some churches do, by the way, some churches have a, we do not want college students in with our youth group. Yeah. The end. And I respect that. I was a little bit different. I said, you can come, but you're going to be a participant and you're going to be an example. You're going to be a good influence. And we're going to have a little bit of a relationship on our own. Like, I'm going to know you. You can't just roll in off the street and just kind of start a little click within the youth group and your college students. That's not happening. You know, we're going to have to have some accountability here. Yeah. And I'm looking to actually probably try to see if you want to become a minister of your own. Like I want to try to mentor you to be a minister. So it was kind of this dual tier thing. I've got the students and then I've got the adults. It could be college or it could be married. And I'm trying to run this other group of ministers to disciple them to be ministers. And what I would do is I'd give them an opportunity to do a devotional, maybe like a little devotional before we get started. Or sometimes um, I would let them kind of run the show a little bit, run the shop with the students while we're getting prepped and we're praying just before we come out. Cause we would be in the back or in my office, we'd all pray as a worship team and I'd let the other adults oversee and play games with them and things of that nature. So they would have important roles And so I would kind of do that. But to go back to your question, how you select them, you would have to weed out the ones that were threats and that you had problems with, had to talk with them. And I was very direct. This is why you're gone. And I'd be very specific. It wasn't, they wouldn't have any question about why do you, why do you kick me out? Like, I'm going to tell you exactly what I know. And this is why you're gone. We cannot have this. Now I would encourage them to stay in the church to become, you know, restored, but it's not going to be in a servant point of view. Now, the closer... The closer that you get to being, I don't want to say the number two, but you know, the worship leader in the youth groups that I ran was like basically the second in command there. 
I mean, that was a huge, huge position in the ministries that I've been a part of. And to be in that role, I had quite a few in church number one. I went through about five of them, I guess. And really, it was the one just before you and then you. Well, no, I'll take that back. I went through a couple others. I just remember. There was the girl before me. Yeah. No, there was actually a lot of them. Wow. How many did I go through? Man, Um, I got to think about it for a second. I had, um, I think I can count seven. I had seven worship leaders through that time. Wow. There was the two guys I toured with separately. Yeah. Um, The couple, the guy and girl that got married. Mm Mm-hmm were independently, I'll say myself, and then the brothers, right? Yeah, the brothers. That's mm-hmm. seven. But yeah, man, I had seven worship leaders over that time. I, wow, I didn't realize I had that many. But anyway, but that was a very important role to fill. Basically the second in command. If I was gone, they were doing the lesson, they were calling the shots. And I would say for that role, it was extremely intense. And maybe you can share what that felt like to be held to that level of accountability above like all the other worship team or the sponsors. Honestly, it felt the same as being the youth pastor. I mean, it felt the same way. It's man, I got the responsibility on my shoulders. I got to make sure all these kids are taught properly by properly. I mean, doctrinally that I'm not getting up here and spewing myself into it. And at the same time is that you're still carrying the role of worship leader. So I've still got to get the band put together. Even if my junior worship leader is taking it for the night, I'm still in charge of all this. So it kind of takes on a lot of extra role, but at the same time, you're a little bit of I didn't know you were leaving for a week, but God's got this one thing that's been burning on me and I really want to get it out. So I'm going to teach this thing and it's going to be awesome and blah, blah, blah. And you get yourself psyched. You get yourself all like, I'm going to teach. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be way better than you ever are. And it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be super cool. And pride goes before the fall. <laughs> right. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, you, you do that week and you're just kind of like, Woo, my lesson was good. And then go back to the next week and, oh, I'm still just the worship leader. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No thy place. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it it does have a high level scrutiny. I mean, and and I'll speak to the same thing. So when I went to church three, I walked in as the youth minister slash worship leader, worship leader on Sunday mornings with church, youth minister on Sunday morning before church slash Sunday night slash Wednesday night. And so my first Wednesday night, I walk in and I meet my sponsors the ones that were already there, basically they were filling in, teaching the lessons and all since the last youth minister had left. And before I got there and these were all adults in their forties, fifties, some of them were parents of some of the kids, but mostly they were all adults. There wasn't any college kids or anything like that. And I walk in day one and they're like, Oh, and by the way, this is this guy. He's the worship leader. And he was a senior in high school. He played guitar and sang and he led worship every week. And he's been doing this about, you know, a year and a half now. And we're really trying to encourage him. And, you know, you lead worship, maybe you can really rub off on him. Not a problem. So we went three or four weeks. I'm trying to keep myself from being the worship leader on Wednesday nights because I've always done this. And it's very easy for me to want to be like, okay, step aside, junior. I got this because you're not doing it the way I, I want it. And I didn't want to do that. I wouldn't even bring my guitar to church. My guitar stayed in my office. You left your temptation in your office. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like it's in my office was in another building across campus. So, um, it was an awesome setup. Yeah, it was, it was um, amazing. So my guitar was in another building across campus. If it we could have took church number two ministry and implanted it into church number three grounds been awesome. facility. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. It'd been awesome. But so, yeah, my guitar is in the other building across campus. It's nowhere near me. And I'm trying to like sit down with this guy. Okay, man. I need you to be here early so we can sound check. 
so we can get the PowerPoint put together. And so you and I can, you know, just sit down and talk and really, you know, I'm trying to build like somewhat of a relationship with him. Also trying to minister to him individually and away from the rest of the group and grow him as a worship leader and not as a Christian. I'm trying to help develop him. And it's like, okay, you're doing this thing that is very dear to my heart. So I really have a passion to see you do it well. And he would do things I didn't like. He would come in early and just sit there and be like, I'm going to do some Taco Bell. I'll be back and just leave. And then he would show up right before church. Oh yeah. I got caught up talking to a friend and whatever, whatever. And now that devotional time and all this is out the window. We didn't even get PowerPoint put together. And now oh, I'll just go. They know the songs I'm going to sing anyway. And that's not the point. So then it was, all right, look, man, I need you to get here early and stay here. I need to be able to develop you. I need to be able to bring you up because I'm answering to God for what you do. Just like the head of a household, I'm accountable for what happens in this room. In this ministry, it's I'm accountable for, and you are a grandfathered in part of it. So I've got to really make sure that it's right. I need to be doing devotionals with you. I need to be discipling you. I need to be putting effort into growing you and not just letting you float. That was very key whenever we did Church 1, Church 2 together. That was a very, very, very heavily influential component to the ministry that we were doing was the worship team's devotional and prayer time before we called it go time. So we would all withdraw ourselves back to my office, and we would go in there probably about 30 minutes before it was go time. And we would spend the time praying, going through what the focus was for the evening, how we were going to um, reach out to these students. Uh, We would address the issues at hand, if there's any, clear the air, make sure that we were all right. We'd look each other in the eyes saying, man, you ready to go? You ready to do this? Are you hooked up with the Lord? Yes or no? We would pray over one another. And then whenever we all looked out of there, when we walked out, it was like a platoon marching into the jungle to go take care of business. Like we were going to be unstoppable. We just all got together, sought the Lord in unity. And these groups at the very smallest, I think we had probably like six of us in there at the smallest. At the largest, I mean, there were times, especially at church number one, where we'd have like 12 or 15 involved with the band. It was awesome. We had a huge worship band and church number one. We really did. And we had people that weren't even necessarily in the band, just sponsors and stuff. They would just be in the room with us. Well, and I would, and I'd also bring in students within the youth group, give them the opportunity to deliver a devotional that night. And we would have them come in there because they're part of the ministry of what was going to happen. They're coming too. you know, everybody's got to be on the same page to set the tone. We'd have the, everything, the order of service, all that would be lined out. It was awesome. It was fulfillment as the youth pastor of those two locations and every single Wednesday night, that was a highlight was a Wednesday night, but every single Wednesday night we would march out of that office, just totally mission focused. We'd go into those worship sets, Wednesday night services. And it was some of the most awesome times that we've ever done in front of people because of that, those devotionals 30 minutes before go time, like what you're trying to get your, worship leader to engage in. It's very difficult because you knew the value in those. You had been doing those for the better part of a decade. And then now you're trying to pour into your Timothy and you know, your Timothy's not engaging. I mean, to me, just to get a little bit teachy here, if I can say that word, you go into a covenant with your second in charge. Yeah. It's a covenant. It's an agreement. It's a promise. There's loyalty. There's commitment. You're looking to be equally yoked spiritually with your spiritual maturity, 
with your level of pursuing God. Um, you're going to share things more about your walk, your little bit more of your day-to-day walk. All of those things are going to be coming out through the week. And it's a covenant. You're investing in each other. Even though there may be one that's more of a Paul and the other one's more of a Timothy, but there's still a covenant there. And that's what I had with every single one of the worship leaders that I had, including you. I spent the most time with you, you know, in length of time and in two different locations. But that's how you and I established the strong bond that we have even to this day pouring into this podcast. You see, and I never claimed that guy as a Timothy. And here's why. Because after, I don't even think he made a month. Because his name was Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. His name's not Joe either. <laughs> well, I mean, so after, I don't even think he made a month. Maybe a month, anywhere from three to six weeks, somewhere like that. I don't remember. This was years ago. Another student in the youth group who was also a senior in high school. And you know what? I will say this guy's first name. His first name was Mitch. If, Mitch, if you hear this, you're awesome. Anyways, but so I loved Mitch. His father was the one who called me back for the interview his father really jumped on board with, I like everything that's in this guy's resume and I like what he had to say doctrinally. And like, this is the guy, this is the guy. His father took my back. He was a support for me nonstop, which if you've ever done any kind of ministry, anybody who supports you without falter is, wow, that's awesome. Papa. Yeah, pretty much. But so Papa and Mama, two amazing people. <laughs> Church number two. But so Mitch was this guy's son and he was, he was the kind of guy that would come to you like, dude, you know what? I don't even want to lie. I'm dealing with this and this. Pray for me. Help me work through this. Help me seek God. Help me get myself out of this. And he was that kind of guy. And he came to me after just a couple weeks of being there. He said, hey, man, I don't really know you, but you were talking about whatever I had spoken about that night. He found conviction in. But he found conviction in the way of my worship leader, this guy that I had been given, didn't even select. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I, I called called the guy and I said, look, man, could you show up early on Wednesday, come to my office, you know, let's talk. So he comes to my office. What's up, man? I said, look, dude, I'm hearing this and I'm hearing this and I'm hearing this. So how do you respond to that? Well, you know, stuff might've happened. And I was like, you're not going to lie to me like that. At least I'm glad you're not going to lie to me. But I was like, okay, well, man, do you see the problem with this? That I'm, I have you up there as a worship leader in front of God and in front of these kids as a representative of worship in the house of God. Oh man, it's dude, every dude, everybody does it. Like, I mean, you're not going to find somebody to lead worship that doesn't do that. Wow. And I was like, bro, I lead worship and I don't do that. Yeah. And you're not perfect, but you're not way off the beaten path. That goes back to our episode two, fear of God. Where's that at? Yeah, and so I had this conversation with this guy, and I didn't want to smear it around, so I didn't tell any of the youth sponsors, because he only showed up to lead worship, and he'd book it. So as soon as I was like, look, man, I, I can't have you leading worship. This was going on. He never came back again, ever. The whole time I was there, he never showed up again, never shadowed the doorstep again. And so the sponsor's like, oh, whatever happened to that guy, man? You should call him. You know, you're the youth minister. You should really call him and check in on him. He wouldn't take my phone calls. You know, he's just whatever. You, you know, know, that's a that's another point about ministry. A minister needs to know whenever it's time to just cut ties and just let that person run and let God send another person into that individual's life. Once there comes a point where you've exhausted all measures and things have run its course, it's like, Lord, I'll turn them over to you. I pray that you send somebody else to get a hold of them or they got to wrestle with you a lot more because as a pastor, as a youth minister, I don't care if it's youth minister or not, as a pastor, as a minister, you're busy. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of souls. The harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. There's so many people to interact with. There's a lot of hungry individuals out there that are really 
willing, they're ripe for the harvest. And we need to be pouring into, especially a lot of those that are ready, not trying to just beat our heads against the wall, trying to get this one that's a stubborn weed, a stubborn root. Let God deal with them. And I think that's sometimes where pastors, and I, I've made that mistake. I'm like, man, I got to go get this guy. I got to win this one over. I gotta, and I start losing the forest for the trees. I mean, I'm just so focused, tunnel visioned on this one individual. And I have my wife who's awesome. And she's like, babe, look at all of these other souls that are just waiting. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but they're, you know, and I, and I kind of, dis- I'm going to say dismissed it, but I kind of had this rationalization. Yeah, babe, but they're here. Which sounds totally stupid, right? It's like, yeah, but they're here. Like, they're hooked in. They're the 99. I yeah. got to get the one that's yeah, lost. Yeah, exactly. I got to get that prodigal because you want to bring in that, I'm not to say it's like a trophy, but you do feel like it's a victory. Like, man, that was hard fought. I win those yeah. big, I want to reach those guys and those girls that are just are unwinnable, the untouchable. Like, those would never come. Like, those are the ones that God just seems to call me to the bad boys. Um, hence, that's why you're here. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. But you are <laughs> a bad boy. Um but anyway, <laughs> uh, but but anyway, I mean, and so I would, I'd have to balance my effort into who I'm pouring into because if someone's closed off and stiff necked and hardness of heart, like a, a seared conscience, whatever whatever you want to say about them, you just got to give them back over to the Lord. It's like you just got to dust your feet off them and, and move on to the next village. But you have all of these people coming in week after week. And church number one, I think numbers are are important from one stance because. Those are souls. And from another stance, it is whatever God meant it to be. In church number one, we had the main sanctuary. That's where the youth group met on Wednesday nights. We had the whole sanctuary to ourselves. And I think at peak, we were like around 130, 140 at peak. And then we were averaging around 70 or 80. And so we had a lot of people in church number one. And especially that's where I was really getting a lot of my, uh, I was bumping my head a lot as a youth minister. And that's where it was really happening a lot is I was trying to go after this one and my wife would be like, look at all these people that are here, like engage them. And I started kind of figuring out like, you know what? I'm going to invest in who's here. And then I applied that directly into church number two. Like when I came into church number two, I wasn't looking to go crusading. Whoever was present, that's who I'm going to pour into. If you show up here, I don't care if it's just one person that walks through that door. I had a little bit more maturity about me when I came into church number two. Learned a lot of lessons in church number one, a lot. And in two, but I brought so much experience to church number two, my bad and my good. And I said, I don't care who is here. I'm going to do everything I can to pour into them. I'm going to give it everything I've got. I'm going to lay it all down, God. I'm just just going to pour out everything I've got every Wednesday night. And whoever comes is whoever comes. And I don't really care. Like, so whoever shows up, you're going to get everything I've got. Whatever God's put on my heart, I'm just going to, as if it was a a, a 50,000 seat arena full, or it's just one person here, I'm going to do the same way. That's the attitude that I had. And I think it worked out pretty good, you know, because I didn't go home with regrets. At the end of the day, I did everything that I could. First, I do want to draw clarity too. We keep saying youth ministry, youth ministry, student ministry. I do want to say that applies in adult ministry also, because like we already talking about church four the pastor at church four was more or less desperate for help because it it was not a very large church. I'll say that it was not a very large church. And he brought in an associate pastor who, like you said, had a history in the area. People knew his name and like, dude, he was part of that messed up stuff over there. And I'm not saying that should follow the guy for the rest of his life. And you should judge him by that. He totally deserves a second chance. But he brought him in for a second chance, turned his back on him, and then lost half his church. And ultimately, from what I've, I haven't checked in personally, but from what I've heard, that church is gone now. 
because there was dissension. There was somebody walking around going, I can do a better job. I'd be a better pastor. That's I'd pride. be a better worship leader. That, yeah. That's pride. Exactly. And so equally, it goes to any ministry there is. If you're doing ministry on the other side of the world, you're in China ministering to people, just sharing the gospel, who you surround yourself with is equally important. Um, they're the people that are going to be encouraging you. They're going to be the people that you confide in. They're going to be the people helping you, the people that are going to take your calling and you're going to delegate to them and say, here's what we're trying to achieve. And now they've got to take that and go and they've got to keep it as close to call as they can without, I mean, in some cases, yes, especially like in worship, there's a lot of personality, but without bleeding into it, like, oh, he said we calling is this, but you know what? I think this would be better anyway. So I'm going to do it this way, even though he said we're looking. And then you get there and, dude, it's almost go time. And I said this and we did this. Oh, trust me, it'll be better. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. You don't need those kind of people. There's got to be unity. You have to have exactly. unity. If you don't have unity, then then you're not on the same page. Everybody's got to be hearing from God simultaneously and simultaneously executing the mission from God in unity. You can't have two different plans being executed at the same time, and then both people are saying, I heard from the Lord. Okay, so God exactly. told y'all both to do exact opposite items at the same time in the same service? How does that happen? A house cannot be divided. There has to be order in the house of the Lord. I want to kind of pull back to a macro question, an overview. So whenever you were going into ministry, and, and take your pick, what was your expectations going in and then what was the actual outcome? And I don't know, I've kind of had like several sub questions to that. It could be a little bit more of behind the scenes, maybe. I don't know, or, or I don't know, whatever. I mean, it could be, that's a dangerous question because I don't want to say like it's proudful, but whenever you were going into ministry, did you have a vision like, yeah, it's going to be like this. And then whenever you get into ministry, it's like not. You know, man, I, I did. And here's the one that got me. When I went to church three, I had been a part of church one with you. And I had been a part of church two with you. And I really learned youth ministry from you. And so going into church three, my style was very much your style. So everything we've kind of described tonight, you and I do the same way because I learned it from you. And so everything I did, like I only really knew the way that we had done it at one and at two. And so I went to three and I felt like I got a pocket full of good ideas that have worked in the past. I will bring them here, implement them. And one, two, three, man, we're going to have a hundred member youth group. And this is going to be booming. And I stayed at a 30-member youth group from day one to the end. Yeah, I stayed at 30 kids. Going in, I had expectation of, man, I've done this with Phil twice. I know how it's done. I've done it already. Like at church two, I was the worship leader. Like you said, I was kind of the number two. Anytime you were gone, I was teaching simultaneously administering to next worship leader, junior worship leader that's coming up underneath me. And in fact, after I left the church three, I was still working with the next junior worship leader under him that right. was still back at church two. That's right. Just to be clear, whenever Adam left church number two, where I was at, we had been grooming even back because because this, this guy was back at church number one with us also. Yeah. Okay. So he, he was there. He was younger, but he was in church number one with us. I mean, the relationship is deep there. And then whenever Adam left church number two to go to his number three, I was still at number two. And then that next worship leader came in and he was... Uh, filled in greatly and, and it was it was awesome. And then whenever I left church number two, then Adam was also grooming another worship leader 
to backfill because actually whenever I left church number two, the worship leader became the youth minister there. And then church, right. And then he pulled up the, the worship leader that Adam, another worship leader that Adam was discipling and training up in worship. So it's pretty cool. You got, you got Timothy's going on here. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still keep up with that guy and his wife now. In fact, we were just texting like two weeks ago. Well, last week actually. But so I had seen the process. I had been a part of the process. In fact, I was still in the process over it too. Even though I've left, I'm still working with this other worship leader, this junior, junior worship leader. And simultaneously that still working with the, the junior worship leader that has now stepped into the position I vacated. And so I'm still working it too, kind of on off days, like the weekends and stuff. I mean, we're friends. We're still getting together. We're still having jam sessions and I'm still meeting up with them with guitars and running over different things. And so we're still doing this stuff. And so I went into three with this feeling of, man, I'm still doing this. I know how this works. I got this and very prideful, (laughs) not necessarily, I I don't Well, I mean, pride is there. Well, I say it very pridefully, but it wasn't necessarily that prideful because at the same time, just a little bit of pride. Yeah. So God was like, you're going to fall a little bit. (laughs) Well, but at the same time, I'm going, God, please, you know, keep me straight, keep me humble, keep me this, that, and the other. But I'm feeling very confident Mm -hmm. in the program that will be implemented. Ah, the old program. (laughs) That leads me to my next question. (laughs) Anyway, so you're Baptist too, huh? (laughs) Tell me about your curriculum. Um, What kind of program do you run anyway? (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, but so I felt very confident what was going to be coming it's in. It's the new program. Sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> well, so I felt very confident what was coming with me, what I was bringing to the table. And I was like, man, I've seen this work. I've been a part of this working. I know how to, how to implement this. And I came in and like I said, right away, the worship leader they gave me, he burned off right away because you know, he doesn't like um, accountability. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to keep me accountable for my action. Yeah. Like that ain't, that's uh-huh. not cool. And he knew there was an open door to come back, but if you're going to come back, Here's what's going to be required of you. Mm-hmm. And he didn't care. He was just gone. That was kind of like strike one. And then I'm trying to put together a Wednesday night. And then I found myself wearing both hats. Now I'm teaching and leading worship, which I really didn't want to do, but I did. And so now I'm the only person on stage all night, which left me in a position that I wasn't being proud about it, but I felt like it looked proud. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I actually, I'm going to interject here. I actually led worship. Um, I think I did it for sure once. I'm trying to think if I did it another time. It was very difficult, man. I tell you what, it is so difficult doing it. You're trying to lead a group of students, could be people, whatever. I'm just talking about worship in general, but you're trying to lead people in worship. You're trying to stay on point. You're trying to make sure you don't mess up the words. You know where you're at in the song. You're making sure that everything's flowing. You're, you're hearing from God. You're interjecting in between songs. Dude, it is hard. And then, so you're exercising your voice a whole lot in that evening because you got to do rehearsal, whether it's that night or another night. And then you do the the worship and then you, oh, and by the way, you've got to do the Devo ahead of time before go time. Then you do the worship. And then when worship's done, guess what? You get to teach. So you're going to teach all night long. And yeah, dude, it's, it's hard. And I know there's people who do that. I know you did it, you know, multiple times, worship and lesson. That's hard, man. Yeah. Really I did it the whole time I was there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult. Going back to the question, I really expected walk in, implement A, B, and C, watch youth group blow up, high five the pastor. I'm amazing. <laughs> that's what First I ex- try. <laughs> that's what I expected. Very much like first try. Yeah. And just like in the background, somebody's going to be like, running riot. Yeah. Unfreaking believable. Yeah. <laughs> Not to date us or anything. Yeah. 
<laughs> for anybody who's ever played Halo. Yeah. Um, one. Halo one. Yeah. <laughs> Hang them high. Um, <laughs> All day. Sniper pistols. <laughs> but so. Adam would, Adam would corner camp with a shotgun. Always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Adam. Quit camping. What? Come kill me. Come get me if right. you don't like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're frag grenade, frag grenade. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. Totally unrelated. Sort of. Really, really pop with the kids, though. <laughs> well, so I, that, I mean, that's what I expected. I expected to just kind of walk in and after a month, the pastor to call me and be like, man, I think you need a raise. You're doing awesome. You know? <laughs> um, and just, you know, accolades, accolades. Um, <laughs> that's what I expected. And that's why I anticipated. And instead I found myself after one year sitting in the pastor's office and him looking me in the face and saying, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, I'm really starting to think I want your resignation. And man, I was so burnt out of trying to please him and the parents and everybody else that I told him it'll be on your desk this afternoon. And I just got up and walked out, went and wrote my resignation, went back in there and handed it to him. And I don't want that to sound aggressive because he and I talked later and he even told me I was very impressed with how graciously you left. And I said, okay, I appreciate that. It's difficult. It's never, I mean, I can share how I left both churches and one of them was fireworks. Church number one. Yeah. Church number one was fireworks, and and I'm not going to sit here and say I handled it with grace because I don't know. On the inside, inwardly, I was bitter. I mean, I'll, I'll be plain. I was bitter. I it was yeah. di- it was difficult for me. I was a young dude. I was full of pride. I already shared a little bit in episode one about. I, I was proud. I know I was. I felt like I was trying really hard. I felt like there was people coming in there who was trying to micromanage me. Um, the fit it just wasn't fitting anymore. I'd been there for nearly three years, full timing it. I mean, just pouring it in, full-timing it. I know I made plenty of mistakes. I know they, they were gracious in those mistakes that I made. I apologize for those mistakes that I made, you know, just making poor decisions. Nothing on purpose, but just you're young. You know, you're going to make mistakes. Um, but whenever I left there, it just got to a point of control. I will say this. I did have, man, I I don't want to sound too negative about the church. I'm just talking about in general, but I'm going to be real. Yeah. You have adults in ministry, either on staff or in a very important position, like the, like elder, because the first church had elders, mm. the elder board. And there's people in there that would say things that blew my mind. I had one elder come into my office and tell me, and the pastor was there, come into my, um, man, I, man, I hope I can say this right. Please take this correctly. <laughs> I, I don't want to say anything bad, but I just want to be real with it because this, these are things that go on. I know that I was called there, and I know that we did incredible ministry there, and I have no regrets in going there. I, I want to keep saying that. Because if you've never true. gone there, you and I would have never had a friendship or relationship yeah. that's gone now for over 15 years. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, I, man, it was just tons of good things happened. But anyway, there was also negative. And I had this, and he was on staff at the time, but he was also an elder, and he came in there, and, and the pastor, his office was right next door to mine. The office wasn't that big, so you could hear when all the doors were open, you could hear just fine. So this elder, who also is a, he was hired as a church administrator, comes into my office and he starts giving me the business and he was in on it with another elder. Okay. Yeah. So he came into my office and he said, we're looking at the numbers and you need to be doing higher with how many students you have coming in. And he pulled out this archive of, he was going through the records. He was an administrator. He was, he was a numbers guy. He was actually an accountant. Very good one, by the way, but he was an accountant. And he said, look at all the past and this year we were peaking. I think we had something like 220 students coming in at one time. And I think what happened was, is the youth pastor that was there at that church at that time, I don't think I'll ever be as good as him because he was awesome. 
He was. Call him Pastor Gary because I'll give him the credit. That dude was awesome. I actually ran into him the other day at uh, Home Depot. Saw him. I was like, Pastor Gary, what is up? So it was amazing to see him. I don't even know if he's even listening. He's still around. He's still doing ministry. He's still teaching a Bible study. I think your brother. Uh, My brother got, attends it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cause he, your brother was one of his students at youth ministry there. I was, I kind of bounced between Pastor Gary's youth group, which was huge. Pastor that was there, um, you know, at the time doing prophecy, you know, cause I was bouncing back and forth cause I love prophecy. I didn't even talk about prophecy on this episode, on this podcast, but we will eventually. Yeah, we'll get uh, there. So, but anyway, I was bouncing back and forth between those, those two groups, your youth group and prophecy class. And, and, um, and so this elders in here, give me the business. I'm like, dude, it's pastor Gary. What do you expect? I'm no pastor Gary. If you want pastor Gary, you probably bring him back in because I'm not pastor Gary. Call him up. Yeah. 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 And so he says, uh, well, he got one of the varsity quarterbacks, to start coming to the youth group and that really pulled in a lot of numbers I'm like so awesome for them you know i mean what do you want me to do with that where are you going yeah. with this you want me to go win the quarterback over so we can repeat the <laughs> formula is this and he was giving me this he just kept going well then finally the pastor comes in he sits down because he, he can hear this is starting to elevate you know he's sitting there digging him he's in my office he came into my area it wasn't like i went to him for advice i mean he came to me and i'm cornered at my own desk what's the deal you're giving me the business here I started thinking about this. I was like, hold on a second. We had a prophecy class that was going on. We had an adult Bible study class going on. We had uh, several different children classes going on. This is all Wednesday night, by the way. This is Wednesday night related attendance numbers. I'm talking about church wide. Yeah. I don't know how many there were. There was, I think, a total of like six or seven or eight different classes. It just depends on when they were starting and finishing and this, that, and the other. And the most popular class, this is the numbers, right? The most, I say popular, but the most attended that wasn't the youth group, I think was like around 15 or 20. We had like a hundred, like five times the number. And he's digging on me about numbers. If you look at every single individual class, I'm like, well, how come you aren't going to them? And one of the other teachers was the other elder who was also giving me the business about the same thing. That just began to shove me wrong. And this is where I drew the line. He said, you need to spend more time up here. I'm like, I am up here like literally 50 to 60 hours a week doing ministry. And most of it is here. I put in like a solid 40 hours in my office. Then you got to add in the Wednesday night, the Sunday morning, which included Sunday school, and then whatever, going to the schools, going to sporting events, going out for the fun nights on the weekends. And I mean, dude, it's, it was like 50 to 60 hours, plus all the phone calls I'm making in the evenings while I'm at my house, going through my my phone list, doing the follow-ups, doing the invites. Hey, man, you know, you coming mm -hmm. to church? You, hey, you coming to church tonight? <laughs> Wednesday, see you there. I was that, you know, nagging youth minister. And, dude, I'm doing this. He says, well, you need to, you need to step it up. And he looked at me dead in the eye. You need to step it up. And I said, I have a family. He says, well, you need to get your priorities right. I said, I think they are right. He says, you need to put the church first. He, he said it just like that. You need to put the church first. I said, before my family? And that's where I had, I just lost it. And the pastor stepped in and goes, okay, I think we're done here. We need to get out of Philip's office. And that was like <laughs> the beginning of the end. And then the other yeah. elder came in and started like, they gave me this, um, this ledger sheet. Yeah. And like, I had to fill out every single hour what I was doing and maybe in high CEO jobs or something, maybe that's the protocol, but I'm like, I'm just all over the place. I go where I need to go. I had an elder church staff telling me that I need to put the church before my family, my wife. No. I'm not going to do that. God made the family before he made the church. It was Adam and Eve, not First Baptist Church, Eden. 
<laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he he made yeah. he made the family first. God made the family first. Family is first. The most holy covenant known to man is salvation through Christ. The second holiest is is marriage, a husband and wife. I had another pastor at another church that I wasn't involved with, but I went to this pastor's network meeting and I had a pastor in front of this this group talk about how he didn't want to pray or you know, pray for the community because it brought on too much spiritual warfare for him. And I was just like, what? You don't want to pray for the community because you got satanically attacked and you had problems in your church. And like there was, you're on the battlefield, you're getting bumps and bruises, you're in the game. Wow. I can't believe you're supposed to be a pastor, dude. I don't want to play football coach. They tackle me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They hit. (laughs) So anyway, is there a flag football version of ministry? Yeah. So I don't know, man, but there's stuff like that. And I mean, but all that's real. And, and, I, and I'm not trying to put black marks in, on the church because... Well, and it's honesty. Though. Yeah, but I'm just being this real. Happened. But you, know, you, if you're listening and you're going to go into ministry, you're going to see these things. And that's where we, I go back to, are you called? Were you called to ministry? Because you're going to see some things that are going to challenge you. You're going to be disappointed by man. Mankind will let you down. And let me be very clear. I have let people down while I was in ministry too. I was that guy doing things I shouldn't have been, or I said I said the wrong thing, or I didn't say the right thing when I was supposed to say the right thing, or I just was absent, or maybe I was too invasive. I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes on my own in the role of ministry. That happened, you know, and, and I'm sorry for it, but I learned I'm not going to give up on ministry. Um, you know, as long as I draw breath, I got to do ministry. Whenever my body expires, I want to be able to say, I tried. God, I hope it was what you wanted. I mean, I'm really trying. I don't want to give up just because we have failures. You right. Know? I mean, that's kind of where I was at. Well, see, and I think that's one of the most honest things that anybody can take away from. Well, I mean, just, okay, just this podcast, just this discussion. If you're going into ministry, whatever it is, man, have integrity. Yeah. Have integrity, man. Have the fear of the Lord. Do it even though you feel like you're the only one, even when you get behind the scenes, because, ooh, this is a good one. And I used to tell you guys this, don't put me up on the pedestal. I don't look at me as I'm the example. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ is the only example. How many times did I say that? If something happens to me and I'm gone, you look to the Lord. I'm not hold, I'm not the glue that holds this ministry together. The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus Christ reigns. We're worshiping a holy God. He is everything. And if I'm gone, if I fail, if I let you down, you keep moving. You clamp down with the bulldog faith, and you never let go of your calling, even if something happens to me and I do something stupid to blow it or whatever. Right. Like you keep going because you have to have that mindset that it's just you and God because you will have people that let you down. I mean, I've let you down. I've let you down at times whenever you were needing something and, and vice versa. You've let me down whenever I'm needing something, but it didn't trip us to where it put us out of the ministry. We didn't look at each other as if, if I don't have you, then there is no ministry. We didn't yeah. do that weirdness that a lot of people do. That's what I don't like about ministers putting their name for the name of the ministry that they're doing. So is it John Doe Ministries? So you're the deity? Right. There, shouldn't that be Jesus Christ's ministry, Jesus Christ's church, the Holy Spirit's ministry? Man, that sounds dangerous to me. Well, see, and that's the thing is that God will take a ministry and he'll keep the ministry alive, but change out the people. You and I could be doing this podcast right now. A year from now, I might be gone. You might have somebody else in this chair. Still the same podcast, same name, same vision, same It's like calling. the Newsboys. It's like, it's like the Newsboys. Very boys. much. <laughs> so, 
Um, which to I'll say it stopped being the newsboys when Peter Fuller left. Yeah, it's over anyway. So okay, so let's get away from topics that have a negative side. Let me ask you this, and because I have heard this said by a few people, I have heard people teach this, and I have heard people claim this as perfectly okay. And I don't want to reveal my leaning toward it. I want to get your opinion in the realm of tithing. As a minister, as a pastor, as a worship leader, as a servant, do you think because you're serving, that's the same as giving 10% of money because you're giving 10% or more of your time? No. No, I don't. You see it as financial only? Well, yes and no. First off, I want to talk about it personally, and then I want to talk about it from a ministry standpoint. So personally, I believe that we should honor the tithe. In my, this is my opinion. And yeah. I, I believe that the tithe still stands. I believe that it's the minimum that we do. And if you don't want to do the tithe and you want to go into the New Testament protocol, give everything. How much has God saved and delivered you? Therefore, how much do you owe God? Now, this has nothing to do with purchasing your salvation. This has nothing to do with paying God back, you know, because you're indebted, you know, and I'm going to eventually pay it off. This is just, (laughs) I owe God everything. And I want to give him thanks and worship. I offer up my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is my spiritual act of worship. We'll talk about that when we get to worship. But anyway, but it's everything. It's all. I mean, that's why you see Jesus tell the rich young ruler, go and sell it all. So, but I believe that the tithe is critical. I do believe in Malachi chapter three. Look, I've been in situations where I was starting to get laxed on my tithe, and then I began to see all kinds of trouble creep into it could have been financially, it could have been, you know, with different types of relationships or with my career, you know, this, that, and the other. And then whenever I started being faithful in the tithe, God started, you know, just as the word says, He rebukes the devourer for your sake. What devourer? <laughs> the devour that's coming in on your life, devouring your world. I fully believe it. I'm a witness to it. I've seen it. I can testify that Malachi chapter three still applies because I've seen it in my own life. And if you want to give above the tithe, then we call that an offering, tithes and offering. So tithe is a tenth. That's what tithe means. And then the offering is above the tenth. So if you want to go New Testament with it, it's like give it all. And then the 10th is an Old Testament thing that people still practice. It's just like the Ten Commandments. Oh, that's Old Testament. You don't got to do the Ten Commandments. Um, yeah, that's still sin. And I don't want to willfully sin. So, but, you know, same thing with the tithe. Now, people say, oh, well, then why don't you go start slaying doves and lambs? Well, because that was already taken care of with Jesus Christ on the cross. That ended. Okay. Sin is still sin. And we don't want to sin anymore. But the sacrifice and all those type of ways. God made a way. We are in the age of grace, if you want to call it that. Now, as far as a ministry standpoint, what we did as we would take up an offering or tithes with the students and we would collect up the money, we would then in turn figure out a location. I learned this from Church One. I loved it. The church actually did no less than 10% of all of the income that they brought in from tithes and offerings, and they would take at least 10%. And it was typically more. It was like closer to 20%. And they would do mission work with that. It was the church's tithe out to different ministries. They had a team. It's called the the missions ministry and then the special appeals ministry. 
And it was about outward. It could be a benevolence fund. It could be a startup church. It could be, man, it's just so many different things. Outreaches. Missionaries in yeah. Oaxaca. Yeah. Missionaries in Oaxaca was a huge one that they were involved with. Russia. Actually, Russia too. I actually went to the Oaxaca trip. That was really cool. Lamb and Lion Ministries. I remember that one. Yeah. Lemon Lime. Lamb and Lion. <laughs> he said Lemon Lime. No, I said it's Lamb like and a, Lion. It's not a citrus ministry, dude. I will rewind this it's and fruit. listen back. It's fruit. <laughs> the Sprite so, Ministry. Sierra <laughs> <laughs> so Mist. But I thought that was cool. And that's where I learned. I was like, man, the church is tithing. And they're not just taking it all and vacuuming it up and we got it, you know, but instead it's pouring out and they're sowing seed to protect the church. And then I applied that every step of the way as well. You know, I said, well, we're going to pour into somebody because we had students that went and did missionary work at church number two. And I said, hey, let us help you with this. We want to give to you as you go out. And I saw God bless us and and our equipment and the room and different things, our unity. So that's where I'm at with tithing. I'm still at that with tithing that I give a tenth faithfully and and then above that's an offering. Okay. So let me throw this at you. I'm newly wed. I'm still inside of two years. I got a couple months left in the newlywed category. On probation. Yeah. <laughs> and then so, I'll parole out. <laughs> right? but, so, but so I got a couple months left in the newlywed category. I do not have children. You have been married longer, you know, over a decade, and you do have a child. It's like a decade and a half, dude. I'm a pro. <laughs> I do. Like, you know, however you handle the prison system. But so, <laughs> I'm the warden. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Because she said I can be. <laughs> right. You're on KP, brother. Yeah. Anyways, so you have a, a wife and a child. I have a wife. Do you feel it's important? And this is not a personal question. This is abroad. For anybody listening who might be dealing with this, do you feel it's important if you are doing ministry at a church that your leave wife out for right now, but that your child, because normally wife will follow you, but if your child was already active at another church, and now you're going to do ministry over here. Let's say they're nearby. Do you feel like your child should be, must be under the church that you're at, whether for public appeal or whatever, or is it okay for, Hey, you know what? They're still in church. They're going over there with their grandma or whatever. Is that okay? I believe the family needs to stick together. If you're going to go to a church and you're called there full time, especially if you're on staff paid, which would be full time, the family needs to be there. Now, that doesn't mean that the, you know, we're talking about the children in a family. That doesn't mean that that child can't attend another church, say, like on a Wednesday night or like an, an evening or something. But when it comes to like the main attendance and the, the church that they are a member of, the pri- if I can say primary church, the family needs to stick together. Now, if there's a, a youth ministry, if you have, I'm just, I keep going back to youth ministry, but if there's some sort of children's ministry or youth ministry that your child is really getting fed, and I don't see there being an issue if that student, well, your child, if your child can go to that ministry, if it's not affecting the overall, um, you know, your family needs to be represented. Your family needs to be together. I don't believe that churches should divide families. I saw, in, especially in church number two, people in leadership where the wife wasn't showing up and the kids weren't showing up or only one kid would show up whenever it was convenient to that kid for that kid's own self, I say self gain, but for them. And it honestly, it was like, I'm the Holy spirit that bothers me. But to me, it's like, what is that saying? It's like a house divided. I want to say this too. I've heard many people say it and I agree with it. It's a saying, it's a generality. You can send the world to heaven and your family to hell, or it's said like this, 
you offered up your children as a sacrifice on the altar of ministry, meaning you were so focused on church as a minister and you spent all of your time and effort, energy and life strength in ministry in the church that you were serving in that you ignored and you didn't spend the time to teach your own kids and they're living like hellions while you're, you have a a ministry or a church that's thriving. Right. You know, and that happens and we call those pastor's kids. Yeah. And that's a huge joke in church circles is pastor kids are the worst behaved ones. Yeah. And because it's true, they're PKs. Now here's the deal, but I think there's another double-edged sword there for you ministers that are doing the ministry your children know you. They know you. Right. They know what you do at the house. Are you a man of integrity? Because the children are going to know very quickly, yes or no. They don't even have to be some sort of seminary degree and some sort of master of divinity or something to figure out. Well, based on my theology and hermeneutics and apologetics and Old Testament theory, um, dad's not living right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a hypocrite. <laughs> But instead, that can begin to turn them away because it's not even, you know, you're leading and you're deceiving these masses and I see who you are at the house. So you need to be careful of that. So you do need to take the time to pour into them and the timing of it, you know, going back to the signs of when you should depart a ministry. Um, my wife was pregnant when we, right whenever things were coming to a close at church number one. And so that was a new era that I was stepping into. Whenever I stepped into church number two, my daughter was, I think, around two years old or something, like a toddler. She's mm-hmm. a little cutie. Oh, she's a little cute. I get to pinch them cheeks. I still do it, but she's like, Dad. I'm like, what? I can do this, okay? I have the right. I earned it. Um, <laughs> so anyway. It's like, your teenager status does not negate my right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baby girl. <laughs> so. Bye-bye. Yeah. So, um, so the timing was right, but then they're. I was spending a lot of time because then by that time I was bivocational. I'd already started my own career that was, had nothing to do with the ministry. Yeah. And so I was bivocational and then uh, doing ministry in church number two. And then whenever that started wrapping up, my daughter was getting a lot closer into real critical time of learning in a kid's life. You know, the pre-adolescence, really learning the core of what we need to be as humans and Christians and things of that nature. So I need a lot more time and attention to that. So that was another, okay, I'm being called to my family a lot more. I exited again at that point. That wasn't the only reason why, but that was a big piece. Yeah. Well, see, and I, and I don't have children yet. And so I look at the future and the idea of having children. And I mean, I've told my wife since I've met her, like, I know that I want my kids raised in church. I know that I want them attending constantly. I know that I want them having those experiences that I I want them having church camp and I want them having those. That's important to me. And at the same time as that, I know that I know that there's been a calling on my life historically. And I feel futuristically, even currently as we sit here to do ministry. And so I don't know where that's going to lead me. So to me, that question is very open-ended and it's, man, I'm not even there yet. It's a balance and it drains you, especially when yeah. your kid is young, you're not getting sleep at night to begin with. It's a new infant. Goodness, man, that those are the days. That's where you earn your stripes as a dad, as a mom. That's like sleepless nights. Oh, and by the way, whenever the sun comes up, the world is moving and you're going to have to get in there. The world doesn't care that you didn't get much sleep last night for the 500th time in a row. Mm-hmm. You still got to go, you still got to make things happen. Got to go to work, got to pay the bills, got to take care of errands. Oh, you're doing ministry too? Yeah, you got to take care of that business. So yeah, it, it's difficult, um, but it's a balance. 
many, many, many ministers, pastors have families and you can do it, but you got to have the balance. Yeah. And when we went to church too, your little, your kid was what? Your little girl was three. Yeah, she was three while we were there. I think she was yeah, like and two she was, through like four or five or something. Yeah, she was everybody's sweetheart. Every person in there loved her. Oh, absolutely. They passed her around all the time. She's oh yeah, she, she, she was, loved it. <laughs> she still remembers it. She still remembers a lot of the students' names. And I remember, you know, and so yeah, they they were always playing with you. They love, you know, <laughs> yay, she's here. Like yeah, it's the mascot. Pass her around. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like you walk in the door and it's like pick her up and like crowd surf her across the room. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Throw her in like yeah. a beach ball. Yeah. No, it, it was cool. It, it was, that was a cool thing for me to see the youth group really love on my daughter and my daughter oh, really loved, loved her, yeah. really love on the youth group. And just, that was a cool dynamic that I didn't really expect, but it was really cool seeing that. Yeah. All the high school girls were like, come sit with us. You can sit yeah. right here. And they like wanted her there. It mm-hmm. wasn't just, Oh, let's you know play I, to the kid. And, and my daughter loved it. I mean, yeah. she sat there and she was good. And you know, she, I know she felt like she was part of the youth group and she was. Yeah. And, and she's just now in life getting to the age yeah. she's now actually in a youth group. she's in a youth group. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. so weird. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, now she's one of those, you know, yeah. one of those girls in the room. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my baby? To her dad. I want my baby back. So let me, uh, let me go back to this and ask a previously existing question. I know we scraped on it, but I never actually asked you. What was something that you expected going into a ministry and what was your outcome? Man, early on and going into church one, because that's where everything was new, I honestly thought that I was going to start ministry and I was going to be invincible and nothing was going to stop what God had called me to do. I was determined anybody that got in my way was of the devil and they were going to be annihilated. And I mean, I I mean, just (laughs) as I'm saying it, like, that's how I felt. I was very young. I was in my young twenties. I was a newlywed at that point in time. You know, my wife and I, we've been married for exactly six months. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just graduated <laughs> college, university level college. And I mean, I felt like I was in the prime of my life. I just got educated. <laughs> I just got married. I had the world figured out. I felt like I could do anything. I felt like I was Superman. I mean, and this is where this pride issue was. It was just oozing yeah. confidence into pride. And now listen, my motive was not to self-promote. Okay. That wasn't my motive. I didn't want to be Philip Ministries. I really wanted to win souls. I just, remember, I just came out like a couple of years before that. I just came out of some crazy dark time and living. I mean, God yeah. really got a hold of me. Man, I'll share my testimony later a little bit, but it was intense. Okay. It really was. You know, I almost died because of my sinful activity. All right. And God laid me out with 105 fever for two weeks because of it. I mean, that that's for real. And God really spoke to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm all in God. You got me. I'm all in. Everything is yours. I should have died. Everything is yours. So at that point I felt invincible. I feel like I know that I'm called and anywhere I go. And if someone's in my way, I know that's not of you, God. And I had a very ignorant point of view, but I was very determined and eager and willing. And I was full of energy. I had so much energy I wish I had half of it. And I wish I had like 25% of it now, but I had so much energy and I was just so just I don't know. I was overbearing. I know that I was. I can't even listen to the old cassette tapes of my of my sermons because it's like, oh, oh, that's unpalatable. Well, <laughs> and you know, and there's another part of you from back then. Was back then you worked out and like you would like baptize somebody and you'd be up there in a t-shirt. You baptize and come up in a wet t-shirt and just be muscles. And we'd be all like, 
Oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, I used to, yeah. Walking out of here. I did work out all the time. I work out like six days a week, dude. It was, yeah. it was ridiculous. Now I'm like this old man. It's ridiculous. Um, I know I'm feeble. Yeah. Now I hurt, <laughs> but I used to work out all the time, but that, but seriously, that was part of the pride. I had, I, yeah. I had a very strong physique. And, I've been there. And, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And now look at you. And, yeah. <laughs> married. Yeah. Married. <laughs> but, but that's true. And whenever I was looking at ministry, I did feel unstoppable. I felt like. I was called to this and I wasn't going to be denied. And if you have a problem, you got to deal with God because he's already dealt with me and I got laid out. So that was my expectations. And then whenever I stepped in the spiritual warfare, I had no clue. I knew what spiritual warfare was like on an individual level. But then whenever you step into the arena of full blown ministry, it comes at you in angles that you did not expect. It's like, how is this happening? Right. I mean, you're getting hit. Both things pop up within your family that you didn't expect. Like, dude, where did that come from? Within the ministry, within the church, with friends that you knew from years ago, just these things, these angles that you're not even suspecting it to even be related to ministry, but it's happening. And it's like, where's this stuff coming from? And then it's like, oh, I'm in ministry. That's why this is happening. But that was key timing to disrupt this big Youth Sunday event. I was about to go preach. I, right. I had, back to that other elder, I had, it's Youth Sunday. I've walked out of the mm. my office to do a Devo with you guys. Y'all all take the stage in front of me, and you're doing worship. I'm in the back of the sanctuary. Y'all are winding down. I have my sermon notes, my Bible in hand. I am literally walking from the rear of the sanctuary up to the stage, to the pulpit, and I'm about to open. And he comes to me and he grabs me and he says, young man, make sure that you see me before you leave church this afternoon, because I'd like to have a word with you. Mm. And then he lets me go on up to the stage. I'm like, what timing? That is impeccable timing. I was like, that's great. Love to chat, you know? Um, meanwhile, can I get up here and do what I'm here to do, you know? It was right. it's stuff like that that you don't really expect whenever you think that everything is perfectly planned in your mind about Youth Sunday. Oh, did you account for the elder that you're having an issue with to interrupt you? Literally steps from the pulpit. I mean, seriously, it's stuff like that. You're going to get those curveballs. They're going to be thrown at you, chin music, 105 mile an hour, the high mm -hmm. heat on the inside. And you're like, man, I thought I was at the batting cages, the pitching machine. You know where it lobs in, you just crank them out one after another. And that's not how it is. It's ridiculous in the sense that you don't expect these things. I matured a lot. I made so many mistakes that it hurts your pride. Um, some of my doctrine was flawed. The way I spoke to people was flawed. I, I look back on it and I cringe. You, yeah. you know how that you're your own worst critique or your own strongest critique? Because I've got a lot of stuff recorded from everybody recorded, do, but everybody recorded back then was CDs. Well, cassettes whenever I was doing it and then CDs later. Church number two was spitting out CDs. It's like, cool, it's disc. I'm digital now. <laughs> but I could go back and listen and like, oh, dude, I bombed that. That was terrible. I can't believe I said that. And I cringe. I mean, even now I've got a stack of it. I don't, I dare to even open it up and touch it because I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I'm afraid what I'm going to hear. You know, at least here I can edit. <laughs> <laughs> this is safe. Well, and for me, the spiritual warfare came for me was, well, the unexpected place was when I met my pastor, the pastor I'm going to be working with slash under I met him as just this gentle old man who's real like, good to have you here. And you like worship? Well, I was a worship leader for however many years before I came here to be a full-time pastor. And we talk music, you know, I took music theory. It's like I play piano. He plays piano. I play guitar. He doesn't, but 
we had this little camaraderie going on when I first got there and I was like, okay, cool. So that's one of my allies here. I'm going to need that guy for something. I need him on my side. And I didn't know that within, man, I think it was a week. You blew it. (laughs) It's not even, I blew it. I was going to be getting pulled into the office and you know, I'm thinking this instead of what we had said. Do you think it was something where you were just headstrong and you didn't want to be shaped and molded and he was trying to mold you? Or do you think that it was legitly, nah, that's not right? The What I feel like it was, and I hate saying it like this because it sounds proud on my part, but I feel like it was control issues on his part. Mm-hmm. Because when I interviewed, it was, I was sitting before a committee that he was not a part of and they were telling me we're looking for a new modern worship leader. I come in and I find out that the pastor had been doubling as the worship leader, him and a piano playing old hymns. So you think that he felt like you stepped in on his turf? I feel like the committee wanted to upgrade, but he didn't necessarily. And so when I came in, it was, oh, you play guitar and modern songs and you don't really play hymns. And like I said, we, did, that, we did Jesus paid it all. Christian Stanfield. It's a good version. Anyways. So like, I felt like he looked at me as, oh, you're the young guy they brought in here to change things up, <laughs> but this is my show, bro. <laughs> young whippersnapper. Yeah. And so within the first week, cause I was going in the office and he, he's like, well, why don't you bring your guitar tomorrow and let's look at some songs. Okay. And he and I, he's on the piano, I'm on the guitar, and we're kind of... He's like, well, tell me if you know this song. And I don't remember, it was Michael Roy, Your Boat Ashore. I don't know, some <laughs> some old Baptist hymn. And I'm like, okay, well, give me a minute. I got to transpose it. Well, there's not much to transpose here. You just start with a C chord, and then move your way up into the F, and then come down. You to know the, what, just put your guitar down. I got this. <laughs> yeah, and pretty much. And, and it wasn't even Michael. It was obscure stuff, things I've never heard. Page, you know, 722 in the hymnal. And I'm like, 722? There's that many? Hold on. That sure is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's over a thousand. But yeah, I know. it's just obscure songs. And he's got a... You ba- think he's trying to do that to trip you up? Well, and he's got a backstory for everyone. He's like, this song found me in a worship service 30 years ago where I was... And this part right here, the second stanza where it's... And basically what he's telling me is, respect the hymns. If you can't play the hymns, don't try and be the lead worship leader. Within the first three weeks, it became, well, I think we're going to start you out and you're just going to do the closing song at the end of service. Mm -hmm. And I stayed there throughout the entirety, never did a full service. And remember, the committee told you. Oh, the committee told me we're looking for a worship leader. Yeah, the auspice of you coming in was that we're looking for a worship leader slash youth Yeah, a modern worship leader slash. And and worship leader of the church, not just of the youth group, but of the church. Right. Yeah. And then you get a bit of a bait and switch from the pastor. Yeah. Well, because I meet the pastor and I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were the worship leader currently. Would have been good to know yesterday. Yeah. And I didn't know that you had an addiction to hymns and I didn't know that you didn't really care for modern worship at all. And then he started doing stuff where we found... He didn't like my song selection. So then it was, hey, we're going to let the backup singer I had that had actually been on the committee, we're going to let her pick the songs that you play. Okay. And then he found one song that the church liked. He'd come into my office on you know Wednesday or whatever. And you know what? This Sunday, play that same song again. Let's give it to him for three or four straight weeks so they really learn it. Just stay on that song. Don't keep introducing new songs. And I gave up. I got to the point where was, I'm a jukebox. Okay. I can live with that. This isn't worship anymore. It's I'm playing songs because you're paying me to. And I got discouraged. And I was like, whatever. I'm the youth pastor. 
I'm obviously not the worship leader. Well, that's where I give you a total liberty at both churches. Like, I really didn't care what songs y'all played. I didn't even yeah. really care how many you played. You just kind of said, this is our set. The only thing that I'd hand off to you, and I guess this, I don't want to say spoiled you, but it was really awesome because it gave you the freedom to try different things. And some of it failed, not much, but some was like, yeah, it didn't come off too well. Most of it was good because you kind of started dialing in, you know, just how God has worked in the songs. The only type of boundaries, the ditches on either side of the road, so to speak, I didn't really give you lanes. I just said, okay, this is the topic that I'm going to be walking through tonight or, you know, this week or the next two or three weeks. I want some good worship. Yeah, I say good, but I mean like, some upbeat stuff in the beginning. And then on the, on the backside, we're going to do a lot of ministry time of prayer. So we're gonna have a long back set or, Hey, like you just do it all in the front and then I'm going to dismiss. Or sometimes we just said, Hey, I'm going to teach first and we're gonna go right into worship. And then you have it. Sometimes we just did all night of worship. That was basically the ditches on either side of the road. You know, yeah. here's kind of the thoroughfare where we're coming down. I didn't really care. Now, sometimes I said, I really want this song. Make sure this one's played because it, it goes right into my lesson. And I did that only every now and again, but I rarely ever said, uh, here's your list. I'm paying you. We, uh, I brought your band, you know, you're my band. I have, you signed my contract and you have to play these, this set right here and you can't make any changes unless you consult me. That never happened. But you know, let me say this though. This is where I found peace with that situation. I found peace with, um, when I finally got over the, look at this old man, you know, like I, when I finally got over that and I, and I paused myself for a minute, it was just spending time with God. I realized, but later on, after I left, where I found peace with that situation was, I think this is a big deal. It dawned on me that, and God really revealed to me, take church number two. I was in charge of the worship. I had a junior worship leader. I had a junior, junior worship leader. If I had given the night to my junior worship leader, hey man, you're leading tonight, which we did. Yeah. And I told him, man, you're leading tonight. And he came in and said, well, you know what, man? I want to do techno worship. I'm bringing in a computer and a synth, and we're going to and we're going to do techno worship tonight. And it's going to be lights and flashy sounds and blah blah blah. One, I would have had a question his heart in that moment. So, I mean, that's a big deal. But two, I would have stepped in and said no. Well, exactly. And so <laughs> I would have said, dude, that's not the worship that we exercise here. There might be some church that does techno worship every single week. In fact, Crowder made a CD of it, and it's actually pretty cool. But I, I don't know if that's like Sunday morning stuff. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's but, like that's like driving stuff. Yeah, but I would have stepped in and said, man, that's not the worship we do here. The worship we do here has a heart. It has a focus. It has a mindset. It has a purpose. And it's designed to go with the way that Philip teaches or I teach. Or and with just the call to the ministry here that we feel. And we really try to craft it and keep it on this path and keep it in this range. And it occurred to me that that's what he was doing. The people in the church may have been saying, man, we want something different. But to him, he's saying, well, me, I'm called to be the pastor here. And as long as I'm the pastor, my teaching style goes with this kind of worship. And this kind of worship fits with what I feel like the church needs and what I feel like the church is and what I feel like the church is going to be. And as long as I'm in charge, that's kind of it. And it takes some maturity to reflect and kind of debrief, decompress off of those moments of friction, you know, because yeah. you got, again, two alphas trying to lead a group and you're trying to make decisions and you're both seeing it from the Lord opposite directions at the same time in the same service. You've got that situation again. It's like, well, yeah. I, I've been called by God. Well, so have I, you know, <laughs> and he sent me to do this. And well, he said that. And now it's like, okay, how do you, how do you rectify that? 
what's going on here, Lord? Am I supposed to be here? You know, all that stuff starts coming to question, but you have to work that out. Maybe you are called there, but God's trying to teach y'all both something. You know, I don't know. Every situation's a little bit different, but you're going to have that in ministry in all areas. Um, you said something, going back to church number four, you said something, and there was also a couple other churches, other smaller churches, and I'm not going to get into church five and six and all that, but I'm just saying there were some other churches. Those churches, especially number four, was a little church plant that they were trying to get going, and we were seeing all of the problems and this, that, and the other, and you said something that was so profound to me, and I was like, man, that's it. You said something to the effect about a church, whenever God may call a church into existence and birth a church, and then he also may call a church to, I don't know how you say, I think you said the word die or end. Cease. Yeah, or cease. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that the church not members... Just a, not just a church, but a ministry also. Yeah, or a ministry. Thank you. A ministry as well. Could be a ministry, could be a church, but God can have a season for a ministry, for a church, and that was profound to me because there was a lot of things that were going on. And that was something else that I, I just want to bring up tonight was you can be called to a ministry or a ministry can be going on for quite some time because it was ordained. It was called to come into existence by God. There was a need. There is an anointing there. And then there can be a season where it's supposed to end so that the ministry members the church members can then disseminate and go out and then plant themselves and multiply or go and reinforce other locations, other ministries, because that's where God wants those individuals. Now, I can't sit here and say which ministry is supposed to end, which church is supposed to end or you know cease, but I have seen ministers, and, I've, and you and I have discussed that in ministries we've been a part of. Is this supposed to end? Yeah. The one that I would probably most liken it to is like the Bible studies right after church number one, right after church number two, I was doing the Bible studies with you guys. And then on after church number one, after church number two with the other guys over there. And it came a point, okay, when is this supposed to end? Church number one, I think I did the Bible study for like a year or two. Church number two, I did it for like three years. And then finally I was like, okay, that's concluded. And I had peace with it. You know what I'm saying? So it's You spent like, almost as much time doing that as you were at the church. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, on, on both of them, on both of them. So that spoke to me because it gave you peace to then be available to move into the next season of life. Now, that doesn't mean if you're listening to, oh, eject, eject, pull out. But God may want you to be there, but you can't keep forcing it to stay together. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because that's what we've seen with other pastors. Like, they're forcing it. No, God's called me here. God called this church into existence, and it has to be, you know, because he said it, therefore it's forever. No, not necessarily. Things are seasonal. Well, and you and I have watched a church that we both know in the past couple of years literally collapse, implode. I don't want to say collapse, but implode. When we knew it, it was a vibrant, not going to say over the top, it wasn't a mega church by any means, but it was... It was it established was, for sure. It was living. Mm-hmm. There was no life support needed. It was, it was growing. Thriving. It was thriving. Yeah, it, it was thriving. That's a good word. Thank you growing, had future plans. Those plans were in motion. It wasn't just one day we'd like to, but no, they were in motion. Things were happening. Numbers were up and going up. Things were doing good. And just recently we got an update and we found out that, man, that church is on its last leg, crippled. I don't know how it's going to survive, to be honest with you. Yes. I don't know. And we got that update from a person who's been there in that church for years Mm -hmm. and still attends, Mm -hmm. involved heavily. And I don't know what that means, you know, moving forward for that church. 
we're a fan of ministry. We're a fan of, you know, these churches and things of that nature. It's not to say anything negative, but it's things, if you're a minister, how does that hit you? You know, where are you at in the, in the grand call of God? Is this supposed to be going on? Is God calling you elsewhere? As each individual minister, you've got to be walking with the Lord. It goes back to the full circle. Whenever you're in ministry, the most important thing is your walk with the Lord. Do you have Christian integrity? Are you seeking Him daily? Are you reading the Word? Are you praying? Do you know that you are where you are supposed to be? And if God said, go over here now, did you catch that call? Did you pick it up? Did you get the signal? Did you get the message? Now, are you being obedient in that regardless of, oh, this doesn't feel right, doesn't look right? God, are you sure? And God's telling you, you know? So I'm not saying to abandon ship because that's not the message either. It's just be where God is calling you to be and know that, that resolve in your heart saying, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Don't just do it because we've always been doing it. I've seen that before. And like you said, you just see implosion. Someone was maybe supposed to move out and then let someone else step in, or maybe the whole thing was supposed to cease, or there was supposed to be a bringing in of a new leadership. And then the existing leadership was supposed to help that, to bring in that next generation, to hand the baton over. It's not yours, pastor. It's not yours. It's God's. Well, see, and that's another problem is it's very easy to stop seeing it as a ministry and see it as your career. Yeah. job. Well, my name's on the wall for because it's, yeah. it's my ministry. It says John Doe Ministries. How can this whatever name come in under my name ministries and take over because he's not the name on the wall? That's me. It's not yours. It's God's. God can do what he wants. He can use you or not use you. You don't even have to ask. He can just make a decision. And we addressed that. We were talking yeah. about, hey, man, the ministry is solid, but the people are fluid. You can be interchanged. You can be moved out. And I found out I want to say two years after I left church number three, I found out that I was a place filler because the youth pastor they wanted was the one before me and he left to go to college and he was going to be in college for two years. And I was brought in just to fill the gap until he came back and they were going to boot me and put him right back in the hole. Mm. It was for him period. And nobody told me this. I found out after he came back and the person from the church I was talking to was like, well, yeah, that was always the plan. It was always open for him. I got a little upset about it because I was like, dude, I went there to do ministry and to really execute a call and to try and make something there to do ministry work that would last in these kids' lives. And you're telling me now that like, oh, it didn't matter if you did or didn't, you were just there to fill in a gap while we had one. I Man, that, that's excellent thought to comes to mind whenever you share that story because I had a lot of investing that I wanted to try to root down in these different churches, and I did. And going back to what I just said about it's not yours, it's God's. If you're a minister and you're doing ministry at a location or you're a minister and you're trying to step into a location or plant somewhere to be involved, to lead, listen, give it your all. Regardless of what the political climate may be around you, a lot of the backstories and the inside goings and whatever may be occurring, give it your all. First of all, know this whole world, this whole life is temporary. So that includes churches, that includes ministries, that includes the ministry that you're involved with. Give it 100% while you have that time, because time is a gift. Take advantage of it. You don't know how long you're going to be in that location whenever God calls you to the next location, to the next town, to the next village, or he just calls you home to heaven, and that's it. If you give it your all regardless of oh, well, I was temporary. You were going to replace me. Don't even fret that. Don't even have bitterness. Just say, okay, well, obviously I'm not supposed to be here. So, and then just know that you're going to be moving on. So everywhere where I've been, 
you know, I look back on my past and my ministry, I'm hoping that wherever I went, I was affecting those group of students or those congregations or audiences for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I did the best that I could. And then whenever my time was up, I'm hoping that there was fruit that was produced, which is producing more fruit and going on as God sends me to the next location to spread more seed, to cast more seed out into the soils. I'm hoping that if you're listening, don't be discouraged if something is coming to a close or you're seeing an exit or people are forcing you out. Instead, give it your all, leave on good terms and know that God is opening up the next door. Don't fight God's shifting and moving you. I don't know why he's going to move you. I don't know when he's going to move you. And you may not either. But whenever it's all said and done and you look back, not always, but a lot of times say, oh, that's why you did that. Because something was about to go down there. Or you had this over here where I was supposed to be. Or I learned so much after I went over here to this other location. I grew so much as a Christian, you know, or as a minister. You don't know. Like I said, a lot of times looking backwards, you can see it. Ah, okay. The timing was really cool. Thanks, God. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So don't fight those movements. And that's what, you know, Adam and I, we share a lot of things, you know, we're, we're human, man. Things affect us. We can have a strong reaction, but we don't want to live emotionally and we don't want to dog churches. I mean, I love every single church that I've ever been a part of. I still do to this day. I want all of them to succeed. There was people that probably didn't like me because I was hard to get along with or whatever, but that wasn't my intention. And other people are hard to get along with, and I'm sure it wasn't their intention. Things happen, and we move on. You know, like I try to let go of the bitterness because if not, then you're going to be left stressed out and unhealthy, and your walk is going to be affected. So that that was a lot of maturing that I did. Now I look back on, I was like, man, what an opportunity I have! Like, dude, they were willing to take me in and let me do this. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have to. I'm enjoying tonight, but let me ask you this, okay? So. Two-part question. I'm just going to throw it all at you. So I want to give a little backstory. We talked about this already. We were talking to a Christian radio station locally um, about coming on board there. In the aftermath of it, it didn't feel right. And we were a little kind of left confused whether or not we were called there. It didn't feel like we were. So we both held out. And a year later, we're talking, man, I really wanted to do that. Man, it really seemed cool. And I just shied at you. Well, what if we did a podcast and this felt right? So let me ask you, what did you expect from the podcast? And then why did you step into it? Man, the expectation for the podcast, it's so extreme that I don't know. I don't think there's any limits. It goes back to what I said a long time ago. I can't limit what I think it's going to be. Like, yeah, I think, well, it'll be like this. And then God says in my heart, you think that's my limit? You think that's all I'm capable of with a ministry? What do you think it's going to be? Well, maybe be like that. So that's the new limit. So that's where my ceiling is. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I've had that cyclic conversation with the Lord about ministry. So if I say another number, keep saying numbers because that's those represents values or right. individual units of measure or something. And I'm just like, God, I don't know. I give up. And then that's where God begins to affirm in my heart. Good. You surrender. I'm in control. Now, I'm going to do what I want to do with it. You make sure that you take care of you in the sense of you seek me, you bathe this thing in prayer, you read the word, you live before me a life of integrity and of fear and admiration and worship, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And so that's where I'm at. I guess that's my expectation. I don't have a limit. I think it's limitless. I think it's extreme. I just want it to be where God's in it, right? I want God doing what God does. So that's kind of the spiritual side of things. That's kind of the ministry side of things. I think getting down to conversational and content, 
I think the podcast is like a wide open book with blank canvas and with really, I mean, our limit is the audible, the audio. All we can do is we can present audible. It's not like you're in front of people or you got the visual or the interaction and talking with the audience one-on-one, but this is, we deliver audio, we record it, and then we present it out to the public for people to hit play and listen. That's the medium. That's the, the vehicle. With that said, I look at there could be such a wide range of topics. I mean, we really haven't got into a whole lot of news and current events and politics. I think that'll come. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, we could go into teachy type subjects in the Bible. At the same time, we can share experiences. At the same time, we can bring in other people to interview. We've talked about that a little bit. Like, hey, it'd be cool to interview this person and bring them in and have other people share. I mean, we're literally on episode six. So this is very new. The vision that I have is kind of long cast. I've got a lot of stuff written down and we're kind of working through those, the order and what things come up. So that's a more tangible answer. And then why did I step into it? I stepped into the podcast because I've never done it before. I'm not saying that's the only reason why. The timing of where I'm at in my own personal walk in ministry, this really fit what I think I'm capable of doing with my time that I have available the level of commitments that I do have elsewhere with other type ministries where I'm at with my own personal family and where we're at as a family group, because they have needs, especially my daughter, she's coming up. I want to be there to make sure I'm, I can handle her schedule and everything's right. And there's so much freedom in this at the same time. I'm not trying to escape accountability. That's not the point, but whatever's on our heart, we can go with it because we're, yeah. I mean, we've been doing this for years now of ministry. We're not going to walk off the reservation, but this is a whole different platform where and maybe even the outreach could be far greater than any church that if we plugged into a church, this outreach could be a lot more of, of a rippling effect across wherever the world, whoever's listening, wherever, you know, it's the internet, you know, go anywhere. As far as the longevity of, of different episodes, I mean, they're up as long as they're up. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. So I think it stretches us. Going back to what you said, I was in church one, I was in church two, we're going to take those same programs that worked in those two churches, and we're going to put it into church three, and it's going to take off. Well, we could have stepped into church four, and then church five, and church, but this is not the same. So I think this caused us to step out in faith, to seek the Lord, to know that God, you still need God, because you can, as a minister, get into a routine where you don't feel like you're relying on God as much, because you got the skill set. You know how to do it. You got the routine down. You've got the style. You've got the words. You've got the notes. You've got the music. You've got the lyrics. You've got the stage presence or whatever. And I, I just wing it, you know? And then you start not relying on God. You disengage from God and it just be, kind of becomes the you show. But here, it's so new that it demands you seeking the Lord on it. That's what I like. It's like a rejuvenation of reliance on the Lord for ministry because it's still his. He can still take it away. Or he can bless it, you know, either way. So that's kind of the why. It's new. It's a new direction. It's something that I never thought I'd ever step into. I do have the radio background that I I never really went full career with. I was on, what, four different radio stations in two major markets in America for a short time. And then I got out of it because of the lifestyle and all that. It was just, I wasn't going to do that. But I learned a lot of skill set. And I thought, hindsight, God put me through that because I had to use that same skill set to teach lessons, right? Little did I know this was coming. 
this podcast, a lot of the skill sets that I learned, I'm now able to apply. And it's like, oh God, this stuff that I did 20 years ago, I get to use it now. You know, oh, that makes sense now. <laughs> you know, I felt like Moses, you know, he's like 90, you know, oh, you called me for, okay, it's going to be like uh, 70 years from now, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> now I get to speak Egyptian. Yeah. Um, why did you do it? Why did you do the podcast? I left full-time job-related ministry seven years ago in 2010. Seven years ago, I, I left being paid ministry person. Since then, I've done worship at some places, and you know, I've kind of filled in here and kind of filled in. I've done some little every here and there kind of stuff, and really kind of, I left church three. We were talking about leaving gracefully, and I kind of said earlier, uh, when I left church three, I was sitting in the pastor's office and he's telling me, I'm, you know, I'm really thinking about asking for your resignation. And I was so burned and hurt by everybody after a year of this, that I told him, man, it'll be this afternoon. And he didn't even ask for it. I don't think he was expecting me to say that. And I really don't think he was expecting it to show up on his desk 20 minutes later. And the only thing I asked from him was let me be the one who tells my youth group that I'm leaving. I don't want anybody misquoting me or saying something that's just let me address. They were very gracious. They let me have that. Let me talk to the kids. Let me say goodbye. And it was a very smooth transition. We didn't have any problems. So, but so I left there very hurt and went into a time of the past, however many years, other than leading worship every here and there, every now and then that I was like, I'm going to get back to ministry one day. Cause I know I'm called to it. You fast forward, you know, a couple of years, I meet my wife. We had a long engagement while she was finishing up college. Two weeks after she graduated, we got married and we'd planned the wedding already. It was a big wedding had our first apartment. We were living there. And so then we're buying this house and it's stressful, man, my wife's stressed. I'm stressing out. And so I finally got to this point. It had been a straight week that I've just been like white knuckling, just everything, just stressing out. Well, I'd already been telling my wife for weeks, for months, like, you know, I really want to get back into worship. I want to go back into playing bass, just something simple. I don't want to lead. I don't want to be the guy in charge and I don't want to be the guy up front. I don't want to be the guy everybody knows. I just want to play bass or something and just kind of usher myself back into it gradually. And but I miss worship. I mean, once it's a part of your life, it doesn't separate easily. Uh, ministry doesn't separate easily. Once you've done it, you don't see church the same way. And so I'd already told her that. And I was like, man, I got to find a ministry and a place to connect. And I don't know what that's going to be. And I thought it might be this radio station with Phil last year, but it wasn't. I mean, the, the timing was off on that. I don't want to just was. say that that door is completely shut because that's not true. I don't think the door is completely shut. There still could be something in the future. Yeah. Um, so it was just the timing and it wasn't anything bad or anything that was crazy. It was just, if something's a little bit misaligned, you don't want to force anything. That's yeah, pretty much. Like, where it's at. It didn't feel like a good fit at the moment for either of us. And so both of us said, man, I just don't feel it. I want to say there's no problem with that. There's no problem with this doesn't feel right. Well, you don't want Let to be where God didn't tell you to go, or maybe the timing is off. You don't want to force ministry. Exactly. You don't want to force it. But so I've already been telling her this and man, I'm stressing out for a straight week. And I finally just said, I was like, you know what, God, if just like I said earlier about ministry, you know, if I'm not supposed to go there, close that door. I was like, God, if I'm not supposed to have this house, close it, take this away. But if I am supposed to be here, God, then just make it happen. If you're going to make it happen, I'm feeling like I'm supposed to be doing ministry in it. I expressed it to you in the way of, and you said, you told me that you said it was almost like a deal. You said, God, I'm going to turn this over to you. I'm trying so hard. We don't know if this is all going to go through or not. There was a lot of issues you just kind of alluded to. But if this is to happen, if this is blessed by your hand, then let it be a place where I can do ministry here and have people come in. You know, yeah. like a host. You even told me, 
that I don't even want to, this is you saying, I don't even necessarily want to teach the study. I don't have to teach a study, but I feel led that I need to host it. It needs to be here, like physically happening here. And that was like some of the strongest things I'd seen on your heart when it comes to ministry in quite some time because of you're going through engagement and new marriage and stuff. So I mean, yeah. there's seasons for things, but this was kind of like a reemerging of your call of ministry in your life. A lot of time with the Lord and it's like a, a ministry covenant with God. And that's how basically what it was. And that's how it felt. And so we move into the house and I, I told my wife, I was like, I feel like we need to find a new church around here. In this area, because we moved 45 minutes away from the church that you attend. and we I'm still were attending. there. Yeah. It's amazing. And we're Love for- you, Pastor Ryan. Yeah, we're 45 minutes away now. And it's not that we can't drive that, but, but so. You could still go. And we do, but we <laughs> yeah, show up. But um, anyway, so. I was Don't like, leave. <laughs> okay, I said it. Go ahead. Edit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Anyways, but so. I told my wife, I feel like, you know, we should be finding a new church out here somewhere, you know, out in, out in this area. And to host a home group and have it in our house. And it's not necessarily like a full-time thing. Like, hey, from now on for the rest of eternity, Tuesday nights, there's going to be a home group in our house. It might only be for a couple months. I was like, I don't know, but it feels right. And my wife's never done ministry. New to the idea of doing ministry and it being like that. And she's okay, you know, kind of open-minded to it and real accepting. And I'll follow your lead husband, you know. And so we get here, man, we went to, I think we've gone to six or seven of the churches around here. And it got to the point that I was like, I don't even want to call Phil and give him an update about this church because every single one of them was, I will say they are a solid ministry for the people they minister to, but none of them minister to me. It's hard. Once you've been a minister, it's hard to find a church where you're going to get fed because listen up, minister, if you're out there and you're in between ministries and you're a sheep you can't sit and critique the pastor from the pulpit saying, well, I would have done it like this, or I would have done the worship like that. I would have used this analogy. I would have used that scripture. You can't do that. You never be fed. And that's one of the things I love about Pastor Ron, because I feel like I can go there and I feel like I'm being fed. You know, I don't feel yeah. like I'm critiquing. Oh, I could improve this place because a lot of churches that I've looked into, I felt like I was critiquing it. This is like a perfect fit coming out of church number two for me. Very next Sunday, I was over there where I'm at now, Pastor Ron, and I'm getting fed. It's important. That's why I know what you're talking about. You're going through all these different churches and you're trying to find that plug in. It's hard. Well, and I will say this about the church that you're at, which I guess is still kind of the church I'm at, but I will say this. I went there right after leaving church four. Sadly, <laughs> I'm did two. So, <laughs> that sounds bad. I, well, I mean, I, welcome home, prodigal. <laughs> I left church four. And you were already there because by this time you'd already left church too. It was just a couple months later. And then I left three and then spent three months at four and then left there too. I was never on staff or anything at four. I do want to explain. You were just involved. You were involved. I was involved. You weren't on the staff. You were involved, which yeah. was important. I was volunteering. So, and I left there and I was like, well, where are you at? Oh, I'm over here. Okay. I'm on my way. And I came over and this is one thing I liked and Pastor Rom might not like hearing this, but I will say honestly that. Be what- careful. That's my pastor, buddy. <laughs> Well, no, nothing about him, but what I needed at that time was a place that I could be invisible. I don't want to shake hands. I don't want to greet anybody. I want to come in. I want to worship. I want to hear from God, and I want to get out without involvement because I've been overly involved for so many years now, and my heart is in such a place that it's so beat and burnt up, I can't take it. 
that'll push me away. And with this church, the place is just big enough that the ushers are just spread out enough that I could weave around them without having to say hi to an usher. <laughs> Woo, almost got greeted. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I could I love, to... you, love you, Lash, because he is a greeter there. Well, I guess right. a greeter, he's an usher. Yeah, it was something he, like... He ushers. <laughs> well, so I could weave kind of and get to my seat and hunker down and be hidden. And I might have to say hi, hello to one or two people around me, but whatever. And then I could up and just kind of jump in the sea of people flowing out and just whoosh, whoosh, right past yeah. all the greeters again. And <laughs> Kid in the pipeline, we're out of here. <laughs> yeah, and then just right onto the car and whoo, I'm yeah. out, you know? It's a wonderful place. I mean, there's all kinds of things to you can plug in, you can get involved. And then at the same time, if you just need to just let the Lord love on you, or, you know, just get some word, get some prayer time, get some worship time and have that solitude time with the Lord of rebuilding and rejuvenating to go up for the next round of ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I love about it. They'll go as deep and as hard and heavy in prayer and worship that they want to go. Or you want to get involved with street ministry or prison ministry or missions overseas. I mean, there's a place to get plugged in because I really, to this day, I've never, it's kind of crazy. I've been a sheep the entire time I've been there at this point of this recording. That doesn't mean it can't yeah. change. But um, there's been a couple of different ministries where I was looking at maybe getting involved. And like you were saying, you know, there it's just timing or whatever. That's still up. I'm not going to tell God no, but I'm here right now doing the podcast. So I feel like that's where this is, you know, that's where I'm supposed to be right now. But that's what I love about it. I can go there and I can be a sheep. I'm not trying to critique my Mm -hmm. pastor. Instead, my pastor is encouraging me. He's teaching me. I'm getting the intake. That took a long time for me personally to really get a good conduit of food coming in versus I'm a filter and I'm critiquing. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult, but I learned, I grew so much. I matured so much after I was able to do that. Well, see, and that was seven years ago. That was 2010, late April, early May, 2010. For me, it was 09. You're talking about 2010 for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I was 09. I believe he was right in the middle of the Revelation study when I came in. Yeah, I picked him up in Revelation 6. But I could sneak in, I could get around all these people, and I could just like... (laughs) (laughs) You're the ninja member. I I could ninja this church. Pop smoke appear, uh, pop smoke disappear. Right. But so, and I could do that and I could get out and I didn't have to do any, because when you're the minister, when you're the worship leader, when you're the youth pastor, when you're whatever, you're a face on the stage, you're a name in the bulletin and you better be smiling and shaking hands. You better remember every problem that somebody asks you to pray for, for them. And you'd better keep up with everybody's lives and their kids. And how's your grandma in the hospital? I could not remember people's names. I couldn't either. That was terrible. And so it was embarrassing. People would be coming there for months and I'm like, Hey, you... (laughs) <laughs> well, see, and that's the thing. It's like, it's not that I don't care. It's that you got to understand, I have an entire life outside this building and there's enough people in this building with me to fill up an entire life. It's like having an entire second life and I've got to learn it all instantly. And people are coming and they're going. Yeah. They're so disappearing you're trying to keep track weeks. of everybody and they show up like six, Hey, what's up? See, they only have one person to remember and it's you. Yeah. You know, so it's one name. They're not really necessarily interacting with every single congregational member, youth group member, but you are trying to interface with every single youth group member. And whenever you're running anywhere from like 50s to 130s and it's coming and going and coming and going and people are, dude, uh, yeah, hey, you, the face looks super familiar. Good to have you back because you look familiar. I've never been here before. Must have saw you at the grocery store. Right. I mean, I don't know. The the hard one for me was doing worship on Sunday morning. I got off the stage on Sunday morning. I'm the last person they saw. Guess who everybody wants to come talk to? And they want to be like, well, you know, brother, while you're praying this week, would you pray about blah, blah, blah? 
it's like I'm holding a guitar. I got nothing to write with. Like, I mean, yeah. what I want to tell them is if I remember that, I mean, but it was like, yeah, of course I will. Mm-hmm. And so getting You're like, to- Lord, I lift up all those things I forgot yeah, and all those people already. I forgot. But, I mean, I'm serious. I was the world's worst. Anytime I introduce myself in front of a group or something that I know is going to be with, mm-hmm. gonna, I tell them straight up, please do not get offended if I forget your name. And it's important to people. It's important if you remember someone's name. Yeah. No, very and, much. and I feel terrible. I'm like, man, you're such a good kid. Thank you for coming. It looks like you're really trying with the Lord, and I just can't remember your name, you know? But the Lord didn't forget you. I had a sponsor that knew every kid's name and would do the attendance and keep up with them, and I would go back and read the attendance and just, I have no idea who over half these people are, and they were in my youth group listening every single it week. It sounds terrible, but you've got so many things on your mind. You do. It, it sounds terrible. I'm sorry, I didn't derail, I didn't mean to derail you. But thought. so anyway, so being there, I didn't have to memorize anybody's names. I didn't have to keep up with prayer requests. I didn't have to anything. I said to show up and leave, and it was great. But then over the course of the past seven years, it gave me the years I needed to be there, be able to slide around all these people and to heal and then to slowly start engaging at my pace. Whereas when you're in a small church, I've noticed my wife and I touring some of the smaller churches around here. We walk in, everybody in that room wants to talk instantly. Hi, I'm so-and-so. They and they're not being mean. It's very no, genuine. Nice. But it is a little bit overwhelming. It's like, whoa, a lot of attention. Oh, hey, I, I'm here. And like, one I, of them, I had four people standing around me and I was talking to one guy. And a word would leave my mouth and oh, somebody else was, oh, that reminds me. And then somebody else was, oh, you're talking about that? I'd love it. It's like sensory overload. And I was trying to have a conversation with this person. And now four people are all talking to me at the same time. And staring it's at a me. visitor. It's like seagulls on a French fry. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody says, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> and so that's how it felt. Our church, your church. Um, God's church. Yeah, it was very, Pastor Ron's church. It was Whoa, very different. Pastor Ron Ministries. <laughs> He would never do that because he does talk about that. That's one thing. Is it's yeah. one reason why I stayed. No, true. He yeah, talks about true. that. And no, really, I, I do learn a lot from him. I really do appreciate his teaching style. Kind of getting back to topic though, that gave me the time there to kind of heal and everything else. To where the time now, I'm looking for a ministry. Now I got it. Now I just bought a house and all this is going on. You and I are having a conversation one night. Just man, you know, like I really thought that radio thing was going to happen, and I was like, well, let's just do a podcast. What is that? What's well, internet radio? And I misled you wildly. I had a thousand misconceptions about how podcasts work. <laughs> um, we're still working through a lot of that right now. Right now at, at episode six, we're still working out the final bugs. Yeah. But so. Um, They're huge. Yeah. <laughs> Monster bugs. You ever seen Wreck-It Ralph? Those big <laughs> bugs. <laughs> oh, um, man. My goodness. But so, like, I had a thousand wild misconceptions. Because I was like, all right, just post it to iTunes when you're done. Yeah, it's all free. Um, <laughs> not the case. Wrong, so, wrong, wrong, wrong. It's like, oh, redo. Yeah. Constantly. More time to edit. <laughs> yeah, I spend all day just sitting here going, what is this? Another YouTube video on how to do podcasts. <laughs> oh, I'm not kidding. I've seen so many. Um, but It's it, like you know them all by name. There's Frank again. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, but so it felt... But you, you were like, well, what is that? Well, like I said, I, I sold you a wild pack of lies about <laughs> what this was. I want my money back. <laughs> right. And so we, we, you know, and we've never stopped. You and I go out every week, at least with our wives. You know, we've never stopped doing that. And so we're out with the wives and we're sitting there like, well, should we do it? Well, let's just pull the trigger on it. And we're sitting there getting on Amazon, our phones, like, <laughs> well, let's not dump too much money right away until we get started. But we need some good studio mics. So let's, let's buy... These microphones, like we were saying earlier on that first week, <laughs> yeah, we didn't even have them in yet. No. And so we're using other mics because, again, because of our backgrounds, I had some microphones, but they just weren't vocal mics. And so we're just plugging them in for sound checks and setup and stuff. But anyway, so we're doing that. And then like what you were saying, given our backgrounds, I mean, this feels right. Mm-hmm. 
And right away, it's like, oh, man, this is so comfortable. Like, I love recording studios. I spend my time in studios, and I have all the stuff for a home studio, and it's been in boxes for years, and now my studio is back up in my house, and we're doing ministry. Well, I told you this on that very point. I said, whenever you brought up the whole podcast, right, because I had vision about what I wanted to do on that Christian radio station, it didn't mesh, okay, and and the timing may be off. Maybe the timing is still in our future. Our vision did meet their vision. Yeah, and we didn't want to come into their house. No, and make a problem. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because I support the radio station to this day. I'm a fan. And we support the church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, in saying that, whenever you mentioned this and it clicked on that personal level, like what I said earlier, it dawned on me. I said, Adam, maybe this is what God intended for that covenant you had with Him. Not to say that you go and God, if you get me out of this jam, I promise <laughs> I will. I promise I will go to church every Sunday and Wednesday. For, you know, the rest of my life. It wasn't like that. I mean, it was just. You come to this area, this is your home. This is where you're trying to establish a family, raise kids, and you're trying to make sure you don't mess that up or make bad decisions about where you're going to go or turn it over to him like, God, if it's your will, then let it happen. Yeah. But you know what, God, I feel like if you make this happen, I feel I'm supposed to honor you with something in this very physical house that needs to be a sanctuary for my family. Coming forward now to the podcast, I'm like, Adam, that, I think this is the deal. I think this is the fulfillment of what God is going to do. It was a little bit different than maybe what you originally had. But even when you were telling me that, you were just kind of like, maybe like, you were using the word like, maybe like a Bible study, or maybe I could host it, not necessarily teach it. I'm not sure, but something, I'm going to say you were reaching, but it was just like you were leaving it open-ended because you didn't know, but you wanted something. Yeah. Boom, this totally fits our backgrounds. Fits our backgrounds, fits our schedules. It really felt right. And so going back to kind of what we've been talking about tonight, you know, talking about how do you identify a ministry? How do you say this calling is right? How do I know this one's from God? With this, all the pieces fell in place. You had the background. I had the background. Stuff from 10, 12, 20 years ago suddenly becomes applicable, and I didn't know we were going to use that. I was doing it back then just because it was fun, and I liked it. And I didn't have a drive, and I had no vision of doing ministry with a studio, and I had no drive or idea of doing ministry with recorded sound. Live sound, yes, but not recorded sound. I had a lot of extensive, extensive experience in the radio stations. I was in four radio stations, two with college and two with Clear Channel, big ones. Mm-hmm. doing production work, doing on-air work, and it was just engraved into me about studio work, production voiceover stuff, station imaging, commercials, spots, whatever. None of which we have. IDs, all that stuff. But I mean, but the application of getting it all right comes flooding into my mind about this podcast. So it's like, wow, I didn't know I get to use it like that. And I will say that I did learn a lot of respect for you last year whenever we're sitting in the meeting with this radio station and you're like, Okay, let me tell you how radio stations work. You got the production manager and you got this, you got these sales team and you and you drew like on a piece of paper, you drew an entire diagram of everything that happens in a radio station. I'm sitting there going, dang. <laughs> and I learned that 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there looking at that going, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Looks like a lot of boxes and squiggles and stuff. <laughs> That's how it was. It was very brainstorm format, very branched off to this, to this. And each of these has five divisions. And yeah. I'm just looking at, and you got production sales and you got outside sales, you get inside mm-hmm. sales. And, you, and I'm like, there's that, there's a sales department under every single bubble. Yeah. And, bl- and blue team goes in here and flanks from the right and <laughs> red team flashbangs through the window. Yeah. And I was, I remember sitting there looking at that going, ah, I guess he's not as stupid as he's always seemed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but kidding. you're still stupid. <laughs> 
again, trying to keep this a topic, man, this feels right. Yeah. Now, with that said, at recording episode six right now, we are not yet online. <laughs> we hold on. Go with me now. We have an account. Should I edit that? Should I edit this? No, no, you're good. But like, we have an account. I gotta edit, man. <laughs> I need a fix. <laughs> but we we have an account. We are existing online, and we're working on posting the episodes. We're having file issues. So you are having file yeah, issues. My editing am, is going great. Yeah, I'm having file issues. But so your department is the IT. Okay, my department is production. <laughs> Right now, you can make an argument and be like, "That's the, God telling you this ministry's flawed." Hey, the production department is blessed by the Lord. Okay, I can't speak for the IT department. I think they need to seek God and, right. and repent. You sinner, <laughs> got an ID ten T problem. But anyways, I mean, you can make an argument like, "Well, it's not blessed from God until you're online and running." But um, we'll be there this week. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Well, I would like to see it if God's willing. Yes, yeah. we'll be there this week. When are you gonna throw it down, man? Whatever, man. <laughs> but anyways so we're sorting out mild issues but yeah this this miles are not even on <laughs> you're talking we're, it's mild issues and it's not even out there yet we're working out wreck it ralph bugs and we're looking for a beacon <laughs> um dude this is crazy yeah you might want to add all that yeah but um anyways <laughs> all right reel it back in buddy reel it back in but it did feel right this is a ministry dropped in our lap and god said to us y'all can do this if you want but if you did, I can bless it. That's how it felt. There's a need here, and y'all could fill it. And if you did, I can work with it. And I think we can do something awesome if y'all are willing. And we were left in that moment of, man, are we willing? And so I think we've answered that. Well, with our efforts, even to yeah. this point right now, this day, I mean, we've poured in a lot of hours. That's one thing that I enjoy about you and I is that I put in hours on my own. You put in hours on your own. Yeah, minutes. <laughs> I didn't even need to talk to you about that. Um, <laughs> but truthfully, I mean, that's one of the things that you going back to picking a partner in ministry. That was one of the things that I always appreciated and was thankful with you is that I knew that you were putting in like whenever we were away from each other and away from the ministry of actual event of doing the ministry. I knew you were carrying your load. You were investing and pouring in and constructing and building and I was doing the same thing. And then when we come to the table, it's, yeah, I mean, it was encouraging. You had product at the table. I had product at the table. The pieces yeah. fit, man, this is so much better now, you know, and we see growth, we see progress. God is in it, the fruit of our labor. And you know what I'm saying? Like it's encouraging. And that's what I'm seeing here because every week we come to the table, we have, whether it's something physical or the content, you know, the fit must say physical, like the studio or the content of the outline or different progression. And it's kind of cool. Like, Hey, look what I've been working on. It's just like old school ministry working together, but now it's in this format. It's in this communication of podcast. It's unique, man. I'll say that it's very unique. So bringing it back to focus, I mean, you've kind of heard us talk about a lot of individual things tonight. You've, I think here at the end, we really addressed what it is that we look at when we start a ministry especially because we just started this. We just started podcasting. We just started this podcast and this whole idea. You've just kind of heard our hearts and what set this off and what we felt like God was saying and how we responded to it. And that's a big deal. How you respond to God, I think, is over half of what a ministry is. How you respond to him at the calling, how you respond to him and every single day when he's saying, hey, the ministry needs to do X or the ministry needs to do Y. And you've got to flow with that and not just be... What'd you say earlier? You said um, stiff-necked and just stuck in your ways. And I do it this way and that's the way I do it. But the, the ability to flow is those things. We hope this was very educational for you guys. Hope this answered any questions. Hope this 
brought some clarity to somebody who might have been struggling with the idea of ministry. And man, we hope this helped you guys kind of learn us a little bit better and kind of get to know more of where we're from and how we think and how we are in ministry. And hope you got a better idea of who you're listening to. Please, as always, subscribe. If you enjoy anything that we said, do tell a friend, tell an enemy like Phil likes to say. That's right. You never know, man. You never know. (laughs) You know what? You're going to be stunned. You go up to an enemy... You know what? I don't really care for you too much, but you really check out this podcast. It's totally <laughs> awesome. And then before you know it, you're like BFFs. That ruins an enemy. <laughs> yeah, you start running out of enemies. Think about it. Could happen. Or the dude could just punch you in the face. I don't know, man. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Like we blew a fuse. (laughs) I think it was a small kid. (laughs) All right. All right. What was that? Your face? Right. The other day, like I opened the door, and the two boys are right there, and I'm like face and face, like "Eh, back up. And Raja runs and jumps over the boys, past me, and into the room. Like got it. (laughs) They were running interference. (laughs) My plan has worked. Dude. Stupid boys. She's, dude, she scored on me pretty hard. So I just shut the door and left, right? I came back up the door. She's running out. I'm like, bad idea. <laughs> I didn't want to stay anyway. All right. You ready? Let me get out. I'm going to just open up with the edit stuff, and then we'll go right into it. So it'll be, it'll be smooth. It'll be low-key. Visual check. One, two. Figures. Check. Three, four. Hello, world. My sound waves are actually Hello, world. Check. One, two. Okay. All right. Here we go. Um, <coughs> Watermelon. Cantaloupe. Go ahead. All right. That fat splat right there, that was actually you. <laughs> I can't do the water drip. All right. But tonight, I wanted to kind of drop back a little bit, more of an informal setting. Mm. All right. That tastes like chicken right there. (laughs) It's informal, so we're going to leave this in there. (laughs) That was terribly timed. (laughs) My microphone stinks now. (laughs) It's getting replaced next week. Yeah, that is true. Um, So anyway, I guess I ordered it right on time. (laughs) You go home and tell your wife, I cannot use that mic another week. (laughs) I really really just furped all over it. (laughs) Okay, remind me later to tell you a joke I heard today about barfing. Okay, well, that makes sense. Well, let's see what I get to put up with. Uh, so anyway, um, <clears throat> so anyway, 
forgot what I was talking about. This is getting edited too. Um, I may just leave it in there just to show you how much we edit out. Right now we are at 20 minutes and 45 seconds. Yeah, I'll just show you just how much we edit out right there. And kind of come to an understanding of, hey, we've been here. We've had some good runs and we've had some uncomfortable runs. Um, and Sometimes we just have runs, period. <laughs> I have a joke for this later. Um, <laughs> try and sound like we know everything, but just simply to share the experience and put it out there for anybody who may need to hear it. I want to first start off with, why did you walk out on me in that last church? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm listening, jerk. Because you had that blonde. <laughs> uh, okay. You replaced me before I left. <laughs> he was uh, cute. He was real pretty. <laughs> he had a pretty mouth. Okay, that's getting edited out. Oh my gosh, that that went that, way too far. That's not going to survive. No, that one's gone. That one's gone. Oh, okay. My. <laughs> <laughs> this is. <laughs> that is hilarious. I miss that guy. Another student in the youth group who is also a senior in high school. And you know what? I will say this guy's first name. His first name was Mitch. If Mitch, if you hear this, you're awesome. I, I love. Should I edit that out? I mean, no, I don't leave know. that in there. Leave so. it in there. Okay. Yeah, you're signing off on this. Yeah, the I, blowback I, is on you, buddy. <laughs> there goes I, dislike and unsubscribe. Right. Un- unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. I'm editing that out. <laughs> <clears throat> And he was that kind of guy. And he came to me after just a couple weeks of being there. He said, hey, man, I don't really know you, but you were talking about whatever I had spoken about that night. He found conviction in, but he found conviction in the way of my worship leader, this guy that I had been given, didn't even select. And I said, well, let's, let's go talk in public. Or I'm sorry, public. <laughs> <laughs> let's hear it out. <laughs> let's, let's post it on MySpace. <laughs> yeah. well, no, I was like, come on, well, let's go talk in private you can quickly add another 15 minutes of dead space. So if I kind of condense it all down, then it's less that you have to endure. I just thought of Bane. It will endure. <laughs> anyway, now I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> I need to say edit, right? It's all good. It's all gone. Chopped. Yeah. Our background is in youth ministry and Phil used to make jokes with some of the youth kids uh, right in the middle of church he'd be doing not during the lesson but he'd be doing announcements or something and he'd start making poo jokes <laughs> and some of the girls would be in the back of the room going stop it that's nasty he'd be like i'm done all right Dude, it's flushed everybody poops i mean come right. on <laughs> you got to make a turd to live you know <laughs> <laughs> gotta make a turd to survive so, i learned that while i was a young young lad sitting around a campfire at a at, while we were hunting someone who i looked up to as kind of like an uncle that wasn't by blood boy Got to make a turd to survive. <laughs> I was like, man, there's so much truth in that. Man, Uncle Jerry, you're so wise. <laughs> I got to go make a turd right now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm living. I'm alive. <laughs> oh, man. Should I edit all that out? Right. Should I edit that out? Should I go or should I stay? minutes of poo jokes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, man. Well, there goes all the females in the audience right there. <laughs> and I'm gone. Yeah. It's flushed. <laughs> <laughs> Delete subscription. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I left the church. <laughs>
man. And then the pastor explained to me why I was going to leave the church. Right. We can't take any more of your crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm laughing too hard. I'm wiped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, well, yeah. Because yours don't stink. But anyway. Right. Anyway, so. Bloop. All right. So there was an edit right there. Yeah. So, I have so many more poop jokes, but we probably ought to move on. <laughs> Bow, move on. Yeah, I'll move on. Oh, man. So, um, anyway, but there's like 10 minutes whenever we get back. Um, we're looking at the recording right now. We're in 14 minutes, so if it's only been like two minutes, you know something major happened that got right. edited out. But anyway, so I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you think, though? I mean, you think that we ought to... Um, leave in more of this nonsensical nonsense i like it but i mean it's not your clean cut right? great let's make a podcast that you enjoy <laughs> right well i mean I, so i can listen to me later <laughs> i look at it like this there's this isn't almost said a name this is not the major radio station in houston or new york or wherever this is <laughs> yeah because we may not live next to houston <laughs> <laughs> No. There's an edit. Um, <laughs> this isn't the major radio station down the road, but it's like, it's just kind of two people. I mean, you get their most podcasts. I mean, the topics, the language used, everything would never survive on the radio, and neither would their editing process either. Like, oh my gosh. So do you mean I don't have to edit poop? No, eh, I'm just saying. <laughs> Depends on how open-minded your audience is. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I just listened to these guys talk 10 minutes about poo. <laughs> well, episodes one through five are amazing. <laughs> that I want to poop on six. <laughs> this has been horrible. Yeah. We're up to 15 minutes now. I know. Okay, so... Um, and so going into Church 3, my style was very much your style. So everything we've kind of described tonight, you and I do the same way because I learned it from you. Um, I kind of... So I did. I learned it by watching you. It's like I learned a, it from watching you. Um, <laughs> great. So you did drugs. Right. Um, but no, so I... Still the same podcast. Same name. Same vision. Same It's like calling. the Newsboys. It's like, it's like the Newsboys. Very boys. much. <laughs> um, which, to, I'll say it. Stop being the Newsboys when Peter Fuller left. Yeah. It's over. Anyway. Peter Fuller. I still miss Phil Joel, but anyway. Now it's the new news, boys. Yeah. Um, the new new. Think about it. <laughs> well, and... Th- it's the third singer, right? Right. Okay, new new. Anybody listen to this on breakfast? Um, <laughs> anyways, okay, so that's... Lost, lost the plot, anyway. Need, need I say more? <laughs> and dated. <laughs> I, was, I was like front row in that concert, man. And the Astrodome. I was there too. I Which was... could have been in Houston. I'm not sure if it's in. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being on the floor right in front of the stage, and Newsboys is right there, and I'm like, like a kid, and I'm like, woo, this is loud. <laughs> um, dude, it was anyway. Sorry. So, dressing out for a week, and I told God, I was like, you know what, man? You know what, man? You said it to God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I'll be honest, I do. Um. But so I had already been feeling well, like... Well, there's your problem right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotten to the point now, the only greeter I can think of besides Lash is this big, tall guy named Brian. 
And I know this because every single Sunday, Brian finally caught me in the corner of his eye a few years ago. And because the section we sit in is like, he's always at that section, kind of in like to the back left. But he finally caught me a few years ago. Is you need a Bible? And I had one on my phone. So I was like, nah, I got my phone. And I was like, that sounds probably really like, you know, I'm not going to read the Bible, but I don't do that. No, I will search, but I have to have a physical Bible. Just want to point that out. I am a holy roller. I will Bible beat you. Well, and I have this one. Like, my little mini Bible back here that goes in my back pocket perfectly, and I love it. It used to stay in my And you can't box. ever read it because you have vision problems. You're like, what does that say? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you look cool now, don't you? vision problems, you really. doofus. Well, so anyways, but like, um, and then times the Wi-Fi would go down and my phone's not working because that church is a dead zone. Just, oh, my phone's dead can't emp my scriptures i would literally go through and screenshot all the that chapter while i had signal and then get in there and just go through the photos i took of it i'm gonna interact with brian nobody mm-hmm. else in this room i don't care about any of the rest of you there's a lot of people in there it's, it's a big sanctuary <laughs> it's a big sanctuary it's like a 1500 seater but yeah it's like forget the rest of y'all i'm gonna interact with brian brian's gonna be my stepping stone number one yeah and, <laughs> and then i'll get to the other <laughs> 1499 of y'all later Oh, yeah, no joke. And then I was hanging out with some people, and I started hanging out with uh, Tanner, the worship leader, very briefly. Mm-hmm. And well, just now some... they know what church we're at now, because Tanner and Pastor Ron, they got it, they got it pegged. No, not that person. So... <laughs> <laughs> let's just um, call him Tanner. <laughs> let's, just, let's just call him. Let's call him Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> but so... Um... <laughs> Please don't come seek us out. Oh, wow. <laughs> but so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was you <laughs> anyways there's it's funny because there's this photo on facebook of me and a group of people at the church and tanner's i believe tanner's in the photo if he's not in the photo he was in that group when the photo he got was cropped taken. out <laughs> yeah i know he was in the group when the photo was taken i just don't remember if he's in the photo or if he's off the side but it looks like i'm just kind of one of these peeps and yeah we're all cool <laughs> and i honestly have not talked to any of those people since that photo was taken <laughs> like it, it ruined it for you he's like i'm out of here literally four years <laughs> this ago this looks like a relationship and i'm not down with this right? literally like four years ago this photo was taken but it's on facebook but anyways fits our backgrounds fits our schedules fits the fact that i don't like people in my house no, i'm getting done <laughs> with that in there uh, <laughs> it's staying I might but, just leave this one almost like real raw so people can feel what, what retards we are. It's unique, man. I'll say that. It's very unique. So without dragging out pretty... First little... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right, all right. Let's get this done. And then before you know it, you're like BFFs. That ruins an enemy. <laughs> yeah, you start running out of enemies. Think about it. Could happen. Or the dude could just punch you in the face. I don't know, man. We'll see you guys next time. (laughs) Say it again. Because you're laughing in the back and cackling. (laughs) What an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Really? You said it better. Did you like totally fumble that? I did, didn't I? Yeah. Go ahead. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. And then. (laughs) Way before that. Way before that. You hear me so deeply.